sim as a prefix you know always means the same right so sympathy means like suffering the same thing and empathy would be like internalizing stuff someone's suffering so like you can you know exactly how they feel and you might wonder if you felt it before that's a good way you could access that and, mm-hmm. and be able to feel what they feel but is that absolutely necessary or is it possible to like achieve empathy without having felt it yourself i think it's something with like emotional intelligence I feel like people who are really emotionally intelligent have a better job of sincerely empathizing with somebody um, versus others may have to experience something similar to understand. Yeah. Well, well, on that fucking note, (laughs) hi guys. Joe's like enough with sympathy or empathy. Like, no, both of them are gross and I don't approve. And welcome to May We Geek Again, a podcast where we cover sci-fi TV shows through the lens of philosophy and dick jokes. My name is Joe, and I'm joined by my empathetic or possibly sympathetic co-hosts, Shaheen and Bub. Or neither. Um, or neither, as the case may be. Um, who knows? Maybe yes. our pedantic discussion will make it into the end of the episode, so this will have context. Otherwise, just go with it. <laughs> um, this is episode 99 of our podcast, and we're going to be talking about humans. Yes, that's right. We're going back to that show that we last talked about in, what, 2019? I don't remember. It's been a while. Um, <laughs> season 3, episodes 301 and 302. By the way, this is a rewatch podcast, so we're going to spoil some shit. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. We also love fan feedback, so feel free to come yell at us on Twitter at MaybeGeekAgain or at MaybeGeekAgain at gmail.com. And of course, we will always post the episodes to Reddit in case you enjoy long-form discussion. Um, it is great to have you here, guys. Uh, it has been months and months since the last time we recorded. Um, I mean, but what is time in a pandemic? Yeah. What even is time? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this, yeah, uh, I feel like when you said like 2019, I was like, that was last year, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Like 2020 didn't happen, right? It hasn't happened. Not, it just yeah. didn't. So um, we usually start by giving a little bit of information and an icebreaker game. And I don't know which one of you wrote. I'm going to go with Bubs wrote this icebreaker. But I, I feel like we will have two in that case, speaking of the <laughs> pandemic. Um, number one, uh, as related to the show, if you if you did it with a synth, I'm guessing you mean sexually, would you rather find out they were a synth before or after? And then the second part of the icebreaker is, what day will be your official one-year quarantine pam- pandemic um, anniversary? Like, because I feel like we're all having one kind of come up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, who would like to start? I didn't come up with this question. So I think the person who came Shit, up that with was it <laughs> should go first. <laughs> Dang. It feels like you, guys, but I feel like I was thrown by the did it. Like, I feel like you would have, like, made it a little filthier, but, like, I was like, no, Shaheen wouldn't ask that, and yet. He's a married man yeah, now. No, that was He's me. all dirty mouth. Yeah, we, we don't even know who he is anymore. Um, so, Shaheen, yeah. you get to go first. Cool. Um, yeah, hi, guys. Um, it's awesome to be back. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, if I were to do it with a synth, uh, I would want to find out after, I think, just for the sake of science and... <laughs> to see if you could tell? And, and philosophy. Yeah, just to see if I could, like, um, would I really... Because, you know, if you knew beforehand, then there's, it's impossible to know, like, would I have noticed the differences if I hadn't known, you know? But if you hadn't known, then you can answer that, honestly. So... I mean, yeah, there's when Pete and uh, Karen had sex and then and Pete didn't know. You know, I always wonder, like, you wouldn't you know? Like, I mean, there. Yeah. So, yeah, I wonder. Apparently you wouldn't know. So I want to know what that's like. <laughs> so I want to find out. Um, and when is your quarantine anniversary? Oh, I don't know what how to answer this question really maybe because i'm a introvert and just like i've always been quarantined <laughs> right like but, not i think we can all relate changed. to that <laughs> um but i mean my wife moved in last march middle of march and she she intended to stay like for two weeks and, and now you're fucking like, married. Are you a lesbian? So like married. this is this is peak lesbian right here. You you haul. <laughs> uh, he did. You have a cat, so. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. so I'm so happy for your lesbian wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I guess March sometime in March. And you don't even remember what day she moved in. Um, I want to say the twenty third. Okay. So we're approaching. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, sex with sense and quarantine anniversaries, Bubs. <laughs> and I will ask you, what are you drinking? Because oh. Shaheen is not drinking the bong water that is next to him, but I know that you probably have a beverage. <laughs> oh yeah. I. That's like why I didn't see your text at first. That like we were ready to join the podcast because I was going to pick wine from the little wine fridge thing. Um. I'm having Uppercut, which is a Napa Valley Sauvignon Blanc, which if you're going to buy Sauvignon Blanc, like, and it's not from New Zealand, why? Anyways, it's okay. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's I, 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 I'm, I'm sure that like five listeners that we have, like two of them know about wine, so <laughs> they are probably chortling at your, at your little quote. <laughs> well, it's just, the whole point of Sauvignon Blanc is that it's very floral and like mm-hmm. great smelling. Um, mm-hmm. and you only really get that from New Zealand. I don't think I've had a Sauvignon Blanc outside of New Zealand that, like, had that classic, like, floral. So anyways, Quality. this is boring, like, wine chatter that I'm not even, like, a wine person. Like, I don't even you know like red. Need, I'm, like, a basic bitch. But I've committed to my basic bitchness when it comes to Sauvignon Blanc. And really the best one right now is the Kirkland brand one at Costco. And I'm not even shitting you. Costco can't $6. miss. $6.99. And it is the best Sauvignon Blanc of the season. I would give it 99.9 points. What What were you about to say, Shaheen, that, that Bubs needs? Oh, um, a blindfold. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I meant, sorry, not for naughty reasons. It just meant like... We both. Oh, do. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's a different, he's a different guy these days. Yeah. Um, cause like, I wonder, like, did you always know whenever they told you it's not from New Zealand? Like, you knew, like, I, I wonder if you could tell the difference if you didn't know. Um, 
I think that I would have a pretty good success rate and it would not be perfect. Um, but I think I would guess more. I would always guess the New Zealand ones um, correctly. But maybe some of the New Zealand ones I would guess as a California one. Um, but I would never guess a Californian one as a New Zealand one, if that made sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and if you fucked a synth, I, I... would you want to know before or after? So this is, well, so would this be a conscious synth or a not conscious synth? Well, I feel like a not conscious synth, like, I should hope you that know. you, I, I hope that you knew ahead of time. I'm not that emotionally intelligent, though. <laughs> mm. um, I mean, I'm assuming, like, you ask for consent at some point, and if it's not a conscious synth, that would become obvious. Um... <laughs> I guess, like, on one hand, I would say, like, yes, I would want to know ahead of time um, because I think I would feel less self-conscious if it wasn't, like, another human with, like, all the balls of insecurity that I associate with being a human, I guess. Um, Okay. And so I would like to know because I feel like I would just be like more free in the moment maybe. But on the other hand, if I knew, I feel like I'd get super annoying and ask like three billion questions being like, what does it feel like to you? What does that feel like to you? Like, you know, (laughs) every single thing. And I'd be like, is it different having sex with another synth? And I'm like, you know, so I get like so wrapped up in asking all these questions that maybe I wouldn't enjoy it. So (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I guess not. No, I don't want to know. I guess I'll go with that. Okay. Because you can always ask all the questions after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You'll go with that. And then- but but if you didn't yeah, know yeah. ahead of Hopefully. time, uh-huh. then you could possibly, uh, it is my understanding that, that one would not need protection and that oh, right. many people prefer the lack of protection. I don't, I don't, this is outside my wheelhouse. Yes, but like, no, that's true. If you knew that they were a synth, then... Yeah. Yeah. Then you what do you have think Pete and Karen was like, she was like, oh, I have an IUD or something. <laughs> She's like, aka, I don't have a uterus. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a Ziploc baggie up there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so gross and wonderful. <laughs> Ziploc Oh, good God. Um, all right. Uh, what, what, when is your quarantine anniversary? I guess my quarantine anniversary is... March 16th, which is when I flew to San Diego and then never went back. Um, but I mean, there's other little, little markers. Um, for example, when I flew to New York and shut up shop in my apartment and it's like signed out of my lease. So I like don't have an apartment in New York anymore and I'm not going to go back as of now. Um, so that would be like September something, something. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, no, I'm just going to go with March 16th. That's when I flew home. I would like to say that my quarantine anniversary is also March 16th. Mm. Um, not that, again, being an introvert and working from home, like, I not much changed, minus that, like, there are places that I don't get to go now. Mm-hmm. Um, but March 16th, March 15th, we had a big, um, we had a local sneaker show that I was a dealer, a vendor at. Ooh. And then March 16th was when girlfriend's work was like, yo, working from home. And so, you know, that officially started our quarantine. Um, and in terms of banging a synth, so we've kind of established on the show that like synths 
can't have orgasms, right? Like, that's yes. kind of canon. They just like the so, closeness. Exactly. But, like, you know, not to be too TMI, like, I'm a bit of a tryhard. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if it would be better for me to know ahead of time to, like, set expectations or if synths are just really good at faking it. And then I wouldn't find out until after and be like, okay, well, A, not my fault, but B, <laughs> you know, thanks for faking it so I don't feel like a piece of shit. So, ah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, it is so sweet that you're the only one who thought about the synth pleasure in the answering these <laughs> questions. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know, like, it would just be kind of weird to just be like, something about this seems off. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I mm, yeah, I, I, maybe I'd want to know ahead of time, like, just for, like, the curiosity, but like, like you, Bubs, I would ask, like, 14,000 right? questions, and then, like, I might, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I would feel self-conscious, like, just because, you know, I am, I am a, you know, human meat bag with an endocrine system <laughs> versus, like, synths, which are, like, you know, nice and clean and, you know, not that I am not, you know, like, but, you know, like, they are uh, neutral, like, they are, you know, a laptop or whatever, yeah. and, you know, humans are gross, uh, just <laughs> overall like everyone is disgusting the moment you get out of the shower and so yeah i don't know i don't know if finding out ahead of time if that would to your point bubs like make me self-conscious so you would immediately like project your germophobia yeah exactly i'd be like oh god why would you have done this um but then again who knows maybe the synth is a weirdo who's like you know has a fetish for humans i don't know i don't know i have a lot of questions so Um, many questions maybe like, do they Maybe. fake it? Do they, like, do you I don't feel know. that they, like, it's like this? Does does a synth male ejaculate blue fluid? <laughs> right? Is or it, is it like, is it like one of those, you know, those those baby dolls where, like, if you, like, pour mm. water into them and then turn them on their back, they, like, wet the diaper? Oh, I like, had is, that one. Is that system set up? I feel like, I feel like the writer, I think we need Sam Vincent and Jonathan Brackley to, like, at least listen to this podcast and, like, do a little reply on Twitter for us. Yeah. Because... This is the only thing I care about now. The world building about synth sex lives is a little, you know, British, Lacking. buttoned up, quiet, no one talks about it, you know? <laughs> Which doesn't make sense because people are disgusting. And so, like, how is that not, like, the forefront of everyone's mind? Like, how does how does Laura not just, like, rail Stanley or have Stanley rail her? I don't know. Just one of those two. Like, is that Stanley her shows up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right? Right? (laughs) Why does she just, like, tell Toby, like, go deal with whatever the fire alarm is. I'm going to, like, you know, give a DNA sample to to Flat Stanley over here. Um, All right. I I love Stanley. (laughs) Stanley's my man crush. He's so dreamy. um, All right. Now that we have just really set the tone, uh, let's get into the actual episodes. Uh, 301 and 302, written by Sam Vincent and Jonathan Brackley. They are the showrunners, creators, and um, have written many of the episodes. Uh, These two episodes were directed by Jill Robinson. Robertson. Sorry. Roberts. Fuck. Robertson. I'm drinking a beer. Um, Good job. Thank you. Um, and one interesting thing that the Wikipedia page showed me was that while there were, like, repeat writers here and there, um, this whole season, I have to check for back seasons, each, every two episode, 
had had the same director, which I thought was kind of nifty. So there are like a handful of directors this whole season, but each one of them does back to back episodes, which I wonder how that does for like continuity. Um, let's get into our overall takes, uh, of, of these two episodes. Like when we, when we come back in, we, you know, we have our usual little like news reel of what's been happening, you know, in the last year since all these synths woke up. Um, and then we kind of get into the expanding world of the synths. So the first season was, you know, the, the Hawkins family knew about conscious synths and then some more people knew about the conscious synths in in season two Mm -hmm. and like we learned more conscious synths we we found more of them and then at the end of season two um maddie released the code that woke up all of the synths and as it turns out that was had some repercussions and we are getting into those repercussions uh beginning with season three so let's go with you bubs um what what were your feels and thoughts going into coming back and watching this um well I have become allergic to flash forwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was a little bit, I felt a little harsh towards, I for, like I've seen all three seasons now, um, but this was like my rewatch and it had been a while. So I completely forgot that after last year's finale, we have like a one year jump. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of like, it made me want a little bit more of the nitty gritty of like all the little things that happened. So I think they actually handled it really well. Um, I think that we, we do jump into the action in a way that doesn't actually make us feel like we missed very much. Um, And so I think they did a good job, but at the same time, like I kind of like, it made me want a mini series of like all the little stories of synths waking up. You know, like following a different synth and like their story of like waking up because I think that, um, I don't know. It kind of like we miss out on, um, the world building of like the diversity between synths and what that means for each synth when it wakes up because we're taking them on as like a human alternative with all these complex feelings and consciousness, um, but without like you know humans are humans I. I think also because we're all so different from each other, um, do synths have that? And like, I'd like to see that through all these different stories. Um, so I did kind of feel missing that, but apart from that, like, I think the action is great. The politics are great. Um, so still, still a good two episodes. So I can't, what you said reminded me, I can't remember, um, if we've talked about this or brought it up before, but like, remember when the walking dead was like the biggest fucking show oh, ever yeah. and it's still huge. Like it's a yeah. fucking juggernaut, but then fear the walking dead was going to come out with, you know, Alicia, Devin and Carrie who uh-huh. left, you know, the hundred to, to go film this and make her money. And like, it was Get supposed it, to be like, you know, the beginning, the beginning of, you know, the zombie pandemic or whatever. Uh-huh. And everyone wanted to see how it all went down and they did another, sorry, spoilers for a show that came out years ago, but like they totally were like zombie, like you saw the beginnings of people getting sick and then they jumped ahead by like a couple of weeks or a couple months. So they they also skipped over like the nitty gritties of actually what really happened. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that there were a lot of complaints on the internet about that because just being like, yo, we've been waiting to like see that the whole time. And again, you guys have skipped over that. Um 
So, well, I get why they did that. Uh, mm-hmm. To your point, like, even if it had just been, like, you know, a webisode series or something. Yeah, like know. an anthology. Because I, I get, like, the difficulty of that is if you're trying to tell a sequential story, you can't have a bunch of beginnings because it's only just the beginnings, you know? You have to have, yeah. like, the the whole climate of the story moving forward. Um, so I get why they couldn't do that. But I think in skipping forward and focusing on the broader story, we miss out on like those little elements of the world building. So yeah, I think it, I think it'd be a great like supplemental thing for the Walking Dead universe, but also for humans to have like a bunch of beginning stories and really kind of give life to this like alternate universe where all of these things are happening. Um, because I think it's like we're not really telling the story of synths waking up without it we're telling the story of the political civil rights movement and which is great and and it is interesting by itself but it's it skips over to me like the science fiction element of it you know yeah yeah um shaheen what about what about you what were your what were your initial thoughts um, yeah, I mean, that's a great segue because uh, I really love the sort of uh, political thought experiment aspect of it. I really love this whole entire season as a thought experiment. I mean, uh, so far, you know, it's been a really um, deep dive into like notions of consciousness and so on. And, and that will continue to be important, uh, as we'll talk about today. But um, this season... It, the entire season is like a thought thought experiment for um you know oppression and group identity and group conflict and um uh, violent versus nonviolent protests and so on and so forth um and I really love all the different components of it like it's it's set up and imagined really well. I love all the analogies mm-hmm. you know um they don't seem forced. Like you don't feel like, Oh, they put in all these little things. It's like, Oh, there's no like little characters like, Oh, that's MLK or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it's, it's very believable. Like this is what you would imagine would have happened if some situation like this were to occur. And, you know, they, they imagined all the different factions. You can tell that the writers didn't have an agenda or a moral lesson to teach us. They just imagined the world where something like this happened and they asked themselves, what factions would there be? And, you know, and so you get all these natural analogies that come out very naturally from the narrative, but, but remind you of our world and just like any sort of human world that we can reasonably imagine. Uh, and, and it gives you all these substitution tests, right? So it's like, um, I mean, that's what basically a lot of what sci-fi is, is a, is a whole bunch of substitution tests where you take a situation that you encounter in real life um and you substitute for humans you put it put in a bunch of aliens and whatever and for like for one race of humans you put one type of aliens and for another race you put another type of alien and then you you sort of reimagine all these stories and that gives you a sort of disinterested or distanced point of view to think about it um, without all the passion of the real world case. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like a perfect case of that, you know, because the 
sense could be anyone and the humans could be anyone and it, you can pick your story from human history and you know you could put the sense to be substituting for one group and and the humans for another and typically you know in sci-fi we have like robots are the, become the oppressors like matrix style mm -hmm. and humans are the the oppressed but this i love that this turns that on its head because it's it's the whole point is it doesn't matter you can the point is you can imagine reimagine these situations with fictional um agents um and then you know test your moral intuitions so it's pretty cool i mean i you know this brings up the question though of like what to your point, Shaheen, you know, like all of the other sci-fis are about the alien or the the robots taking over and 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 exterminating humans. But like, what we've what the show is setting up is that like, yeah, a hundred thousand or so um, humans died. Which, to your point, Bubs, you know, that number would have had a bit more impact before <laughs> this pandemic. Um, but you know, a hundred thousand or so, you know, human people have died. But then, you know, vast vast numbers more since died you know, or mm. went offline or, you know, whatever they, as, 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 as Mia said, dead, like mm -hmm. she's using the yeah. human word for it. So they are, they, they died. Um, but it's like, you know, is it, is it so much a numbers game? Like is the only reason that the synths haven't like risen up um, and, and they are rising up. That's kind of where we, we, we land in, in the first episode is that like, since they're tired of being oppressed mm -hmm. and, you know, have decided to has, have resorted to terrorism, which, you use terrorism when there aren't as many of you as there are of the general population. But like if there had, if, if humans had been outnumbered, would that have been different or would it have been more harmonious because, you know, the humans themselves would have been scared because it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't really seem like the synths that woke up were really that mad until they started to like be treated like absolute shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, Max is a special right. case because he is kind of forever a bit of an optimist in terms of, you know, the the relationships that humans and synths can have because he and his family were raised, you know, alongside humans in a very different way. But like, and, you know, apart from Niska waking up and being like, wow, I was a prostitute and that fucking sucked. Um, and my daddy know, touched like that, me. I, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it didn't seem like you're right. It didn't seem like the synths were mad per se because they had been being used as machines. Because if you weren't conscious, conscious, mm -hmm. if you know you weren't conscious so far, then you didn't really suffer anything. Uh, no, nothing was taken away from you. You weren't like supposed to be conscious, as right? Conscious. So what are what would you be mad about? Yeah, that makes sense. But then the way they were tr they were they were treated um that's what but yeah I, I really like your your question i mean we know that um oppression has occurred and does still occur um in the other direction as well meaning minorities can oppress majorities this happens like in syria for example you have a um shia minority oppressing a sunni majority mm -hmm. um and so I I think the numbers are important, but it's not necessarily the entire story. Right. Um, you can say the power it, yeah. the power wielded is important. Right. I right. mean, and Max Max talks about this in I think the second episode when he's talking with 
fuck Agnes, maybe about like, you know, wanting to rise up and fuck shit up. And he's like, follow that, follow where that goes, because it ends in all of us being killed because they have a fucking army. Mm -hmm. And at this point, they also have the orange eyed synths, who I'm sure could be like programmed to, you know, also act uh, as directed by by the humans. So like, I appreciated Max being like, listen, like. What do you want me to do? Your math doesn't add up. <laughs> exactly, because we're all going to die. Um, if it's okay with you guys, like, can we can we get into the actual episode? Not that you know yeah. we weren't before, but like, yeah, moving moving on in there. Um, is there anything that you guys want to say a little bit more about the about the day zero at all? Like, because you know that was kind of took a year of their time to like you know. In, in the story of, like, where they are. So we have Joe now living in a synth-free community, being a grocery guy. And then Laura is still fighting the good fight, being a lawyer mm-hmm. and getting shit thrown at her. Um, and then Maddie is off maddying. Um, Sophie is still great. Toby's lovely. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the synths, you know, Max and crew are living in what's essentially like a shanty town um, where they are constantly being terrorized by the lack of electricity. Um, you know, it's, it's everyone, everyone's kind of spread apart now. Mm -hmm. Um, did you guys have any thoughts on the, on the sort of media frenzy at the beginning? Um, I mean, I had thoughts on the media itself because we do, you know, there's so much talk about like the media is different today because we entered a 24 hour news circuit. Um, and by doing that, we kind of forced ourselves to sensationalize news to an extent. Um, and so I think that we see that a lot with how they cover synth news. Um, and it's despite like, I think BBC is a pretty trusted news organization. Um, you see like these moments of bias, like when they, they talk about the bar that is eventually blown up, um, they refer to it as a bar for synth human fraternization. And fraternization mm-hmm. is obviously a word that has a negative connotation. You know, it's not saying synth human community building or, you know. Um, and so you you really, I think they do set the scene really well with um, with how the news is covering it. And, and they do it so many times, whether it's like, you know, the, the BBC news ticker or if it's Laura on, what was that show? Parl? Was it? Oh, the Parl? fuck. Fuck, I don't remember the name of it. Uh, but yeah, like a bullshit. It was Think of the Children. On that, I was like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, and I have more to say on that. But like, it was very much like the media climate around since is this constant thing where they obviously talk about the stories that are more inflammatory. Um, and so instead of it being like, hey, guys, isn't this incredible? We have all of these. Um, human-like, um, used to be appliances that are now able to communicate on a human level and understand and feel and whatever. And like, let's talk about what we're going to do about that. You know, it's not that. It's like, and now, today, we had a synth do this and this and this and, you know, and so you have- Right, like, send them to fucking space. Like, they don't need to breathe air. Like, the the cool shit that could happen. Yeah, and and so it's it's very much, like, I do think that they are harmed by the way that the media digests things. And, I mean, the media always has played a very important role um, in, you know, balancing out government and stuff like that. But what does- 
when it's about like uh you know a civil rights movement by things that used to be seen as um appliances i think it it, it really does hurt them um and it kind of turns everyone against them with how it's being covered and how it you know um fear-based reporting um really causes people to not want to accept them or even know anything more about them that they are broken appliances like the way that they're introduced to that school um as you know this this color eye broken this color eye safe <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I this is interesting. I didn't actually think too much about the media aspect of it, despite the fact that, you know, I'm obsessed with questions of media coverage and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder, they mentioned uh, sort of in passing that, like, Scandinavians are trying integration. Oh, um, I missed that, did they? Yeah, they said that, like, we, meaning the UK, don't have any explicit laws for what to do with the green eyes yet. Mm-hmm. We know what other countries have done. Most uh, countries or other some other countries have completely outlawed them. Mm-hmm. I love how they were like, just... and the Scandinavian countries are trying integration. I was like, oh, because, yeah, of course. Of course the Scandinavian countries are like the chillest ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, this show is originally a Swedish show. Um, oh, really? Um, the... Yeah, I mean, actually, one of our listeners uh, in, uh, sent me all the Swedish episodes and I watched some of them. I, I, I do want to watch more. Well, I remember you talking um, about them, but I forgot that it was that was the original. I thought it was like a similar offshoot, right. or I remember it as a similar offshoot. Um, yeah, no, that was actually the, the main one. So I wonder if they added this to the... And it did look, one of the things that was interesting about the Swedish version of the, of the show was that from the very beginning, as the moment it starts, you know, when we see like Mia and the gang mm-hmm. just in the woods running around, um, you know, from the very beginning, there were a lot of humans who were very like open minded about it and they wanted, there were already people dating since, mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. So it had a more, and like the very first episode, there was a conversation between Joe and Laura, the Swedish versions of them, um, where, um, I think Joe was being like, I'm, I'm just trying to be more progressive or something. Uh, I'm just trying to be more inclusive. And, and, you know, um, so anyway, um, yeah, but. My point is that I, w- I would have been interested to see, like, how was the news coverage of this in Scandinavia? Like, did they, when they re- were reporting day zero, did they characterize it as um, a malfunction? Or did they characterize it differently, you know? And I also wonder, is there a way to report this neutrally? What is the way to report it in a neutral way without taking any sides? Mm-hmm. Just reporting what happened. Uh, this is a, you know, serious problem today because it's very difficult to find unbiased news. And, um, you know, some people have come to the conclusion, a lot of people have come to the conclusion that maybe there is no such thing. It's just impossible to be unbiased. You, uh, the best you can do is aggregate the biases. And so now we have news aggregators like Ground News and, and um, AllSides.com where you can go and just see the coverage of, of 
similar news items across the news media. And you can see how biased each of them is. Like they're all clearly spinning it their own way. Um, and so is that true? Is it, should we just accept that there's no way to be unbiased? I think that we can accept that it's very hard to be unbiased and maybe better understand where there's the struggle for that, I guess. Because, I mean, I think in the U.S., I can see, like, a lot of issues that um, kind of blurs that line because, you know, if people talk about climate change, apparently that's biased to even mention climate change. So how do you create an environment that people comfortably believe that you know whether or not it has a, a hint of bias is you know fact-based completely um because apparently just like to mention a certain topic is to promote bias so i i don't really know what the answer uh -huh. to that is i know well, that we have a really hard situation yeah. right now in the united states um with the polarization yeah. of everything that people are very trigger happy when it comes to s announcing bias um yeah i mean there's definitely bias in choice of topics that you report right that's i think one of the main sources of bias and it's one of the hardest to pinpoint or accuse someone of successfully because it's not about any individual item that they cover it's just that if you look at the totality of what they choose to cover and what they ignore you clearly see an agenda Right. So like just because you mention climate change or don't mention climate change itself may not be important. But if it looks like, you know, um, you every time there's a study about climate change, you really gung ho about it and you really harp it. Whereas when there's similar study about whatever else. Right. Um, about the um, crisis at the border or whatever. Uh, the outlet just ignores it or you can imagine a situation on any side right so it's not that you reported that thing that then that means you're biased it's like how come you reported this and this and this but you didn't report all these other things that are very similar or, or could have been made to look similar mm -hmm. if you had chosen to you know well and I, I do think that that's that still kind of feeds into the 24-hour news circuit and having to compete for eyeballs um so obviously the stories mm. that are going to get more traction are pushed forward more but at the same time like um i'm trying to like say this as um as neutrally politically as possible um but you know i i hear well you know mainstream media gets a lot of flack for um, promoting a liberal agenda, for example. And um, sometimes, um, like, yes, of course, I I am a l very liberal-leaning person. Um, and sometimes out of curiosity to see, like, what the other side is talking about, I will go on Reddit into the conservative subreddit and kind of just see what oh, people God. are talking about. I, don't, I have no idea. What, I'm, like, out of curiosity because, like, what what is the conversation? What are, like, the concerns, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and one thing I always see is that, you know, quote unquote, the, the liberal media, um, it doesn't cover this and doesn't cover that. But at the same time, like when I, you know, I'll, where I get most of my news to start is I will go on Google news and kind of get like the, um, 
the overview of what everybody's reporting on. You know, Fox News comes up on that. Um, a lot of things come up. Like, even the Federalist comes up on that, along with all the other news sources. Um, and so it's interesting to see the different headlines people use. But I, I see a lot from mainstream media criticizing the current administration or having concerns about the current administration. So I do feel that there is this belief that mainstream media does not cover negative stuff ever about liberal administrations, which I haven't seen to be true. And and so I get confused with like the broad broad strokes um complaints about that. I don't know. I, I so there's no way yeah. to say that unbiased. I mean having used um <laughs> I haven't used I I've like I said this is a sort of a passion of mine. I, I have used Google News in the past and I still use it sometimes. Um, it's definitely not the best news aggregator. If you want a really good news aggregator, I recommend, uh, ground news. They, uh, there you can sort of see, cause yeah, it's really awesome. And, and they have like an app you can install. It's really convenient and cool. And they really scrub the entire net for coverage of any stories. And they have this thing called blind spot report where you can see like news items specifically that seem to have been mostly ignored or entirely ignored by one side of the political spectrum. Um, and yeah, so if you want to get a more broader, like, uh, picture of the landscape, that's a really good place to start. So, so this has been lovely. And before I move us along, because we are an hour into this fucking podcast and have covered day zero of media <laughs> coverage, I would like to tell a fun little story of what is the name of that fucking cult that like was getting all of the press? Um, there was the vow. Like what, what was the name of that one? Um, fuck. It's, it's, it was like a big deal over the summer during quarantine. I, I promise this is going to make sense. Um, the vow. TV show. Uh, it was about the, um, this cult, uh, N-X-I-V-M oh, cult. Nexium. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the one that the Nexium? super, yeah. um, what was that show called? Damn it. Smallville um, actress. Yeah, like actress. Part of. So, so way back, like years ago, um, I, we, at my company, we had a client um, called The Knife Media, and it was supposed to be like basically what you're talking about, Shaheen. They they sort of ranked different news organizations by bias. Like they like looked through all of their stories and all of their coverage and compared all of them. And like the idea was that this would have been sort of this like top level, like looking down at all the news coverage and sort of trying to like get a more balanced view or at least let people know that hey, you know, this this news media outlet is actually known for being super duper biased, even though it maybe doesn't seem like it. So fun fucking fact, that website that I built and worked on um, way, way back uh, that we, I don't know if we finished it or what happened to it. Like, I think we turned it over and like, that was it. And I never heard anything about it. Um, fun fact, that was actually by the same people <laughs> that that were in that cult. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I unknowingly um, semi-contributed to, I mean, at the time we didn't know. And then I talked to my company and I guess it was like just being like, so fun fact. Yeah, we're, I was like, whatever happened to that? And like, turns out we didn't work with them anymore because it became apparent that they were a weirdo cult. Uh, Anywho, hmm. um, so that's fun. So um, 
I'm going to move us along. What? Sorry, what were you going to say, Shane? Oh, I just said awesome. Oh, yeah. That's um, great. I feel pretty cool. <laughs> I did um, want to say something preliminary yeah. that I guess could fit here. Um, like, I guess because on day zero, the robots, the, the synths acquired consciousness, quote unquote, right? And um, so I just wanted to flag real quick. We've We've covered this on the show before with it, but it's been a million years. So uh, I'm sure you guys forget everything I say like five minutes later. So mm-hmm, here, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I was just think I was just um, wanting to repeat this one fundamental fact about humans that all throughout the show, when we talk about consciousness and sense becoming conscious and being conscious, all of that, um, there are two things that it means. So when they say sense became conscious, it has two components. The first component is the sort of free will component, and the second is the qualia, right? So which fun fact two is things... the name of the company? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So two things that happen when the sense sort of the consciousness code is uploaded is first of all they immediately acquire qualia, which in the show is is expressed as they can feel and they can think, right? So what that means is, is like qualia is the, the subjective quali- quality of experience, quality of your experience in your head that you can't, no one else can really know what it is because you are the only one who have access to it. Each of us has that. Presumably, we assume the other ones have it too. Like, I assume you guys have qualia. I really, you know, never, you know, have seen proof. But it seems like from your behavior that, that you have qualia. Uh, and you assume the same about me. Um, that's one thing they acquire. So, like, pr- presumably before that, it was all dark up there, so to speak. Like, there was nothing happening. Um, even though all these processes are running in the background. And then the other thing that happens is they, they acquire the ability to make their own decisions. And one way we know that for sure is what Stanley expressed this. Uh, the sort of operationalized way of knowing it is that they're now able to hurt humans if they want to. So they override their Asimov blocks. Um, and But, you know, there's presumably a broader meaning to having free will or being able to make your own choices than simply being able to hurt humans, right? So whatever that is, which we've, you know, touched on a lot, but and we will again uh that's the second component that that free will thing so those are the two things that happen every time a synth becomes conscious um so let's just keep that in mind okay we um we've been talking a lot about the synths and stuff but i actually do want to move us into just really quickly touching on joe's living situation where he mm-hmm. lives in a quote-unquote non-synth community and i kind of had a couple questions like you know Number one, you know, you know, it's kind of this walled off thing or whatever. Um, do we get to call them hypocrites if they use, you know, modern products, which were certainly built with synth labor? And number two, is it quote unquote racist? Like when Joe talks about it with Laura later, he he describes it as a very like similar to modern. And I'm, I'm using quotes around conservative conservatives. But, you know, the idea of like, you know, the people are good. They just want to live differently. Um, you know. 
by excluding and removing themselves from a world where, you know, there is this, you know, other thing. They do not view synths as, as you know, people never will, don't want them involved in their lives, that sort of thing. Like, what were your guys' thoughts about that um, in terms of, you know, Joe deciding that's, that's, he doesn't want to live, you know, with the icky, icky synths? Or am I the only one who gave a shit about that? No, no, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, but um, Bubs, do you want to go first? Bubs is muted. She probably wandered off to go pour more wine. So you get to go, Shaheen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so I have a, a, a lot of different thoughts about it. And again, this is just the power of this beautiful metaphor they created because like, you can think of it from so many angles. Like you can think of the people in those communities, synth-free communities, as being a metaphor for um, people who are, like you were saying, like racist against a certain like newcomer uh, group, um, so privileged people, uh, or you can think of them as uh, you know people um, who just want to live separately. Uh, maybe as people, underprivileged people who want to live separately away from the people that they feel have underprivileged them. And um, so regardless of however you think about it, just to think of it generally in the abstract, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong inherently with wanting to live in a community of people who are just like you. Um, and I think you know, people do that all the time and it can have, uh, there are benefits to it, right? Like we like Chinatown. I like that there's a place where most people are Chinese or Korean town or whatever, the little Italy, right? Um, but they didn't and, do that on purpose. Like that was never, it didn't start out as them like wanting to sell segregate. It was often these communities tried to move into a city and they were told you get to live there. Yeah, I mean, they're different. I, I imagine um, they all have interesting histories. I don't really know the history of these neighborhoods. So that's a good question. But um, yeah, but I mean, like, obviously, like, the intentions of the people who originated the community is one thing. The people who live there in general is another thing. Like, it immediately, because as soon as the community is founded, you immediately have people moving in who didn't aren't one of the originators aren't one of the founders and they might not they might have any number of motivations for doing so right like he was saying a lot of people in the synth free community they probably just like crafts and stuff and they like to create things with their own hands and they want to be somewhere where they can sell that um and you know so um all sorts of reasons people why why people might move in and some people might move in thinking, look, I don't have anything like against, I don't hate sense or anything, but I think humans should have a place where it's just humans. I think that's just good. Um, I, I don't think that's inherently wrong or evil or anything. I think that in practice, um, when a society has already been mixed to some extent, when you are already living among each other, um, it's very hard to go back. Um, and whenever it's been tried, it, it doesn't work because, because you sort of realize the inevitability of 
having to integrate because you realize, well, if we start saying, okay, you guys go over here, we go over there, you know, and, and these are ideas that exist like on both sides of the political spectrum. There are like separatists on the left and separatists on the right who have actually like a similar mentality, which is like, look, people of this race and that race, whether it's white and black or what have you, we just, we've tried it. It just doesn't work. We can't live together. Let's just separate, right? There are people on the left who say that, and there are people on the right who say that. Um, and it's, again, I, I don't think like inherently there's anything evil about it, but in practice, when you try to do that, you realize you can't, and or it will start becoming very chaotic and violent because auntie lives on that other side and, and you're, you know, you have a cousin who's married to a sense who lives in this side, whatever. Like, it's just all, it's already too mixed. Like, you can't pretend like you have a mix, you know? Mm -hmm. So it all just ends up like being awkward and, and not working. No one is happy whenever people have tried to draw lines and say, okay, we're now going to be separate. Um, no one is happy. Everyone has family on the other side and everyone has business on the other side and well, it's whatever. Like, it's like what Laura was dealing with, with uh, that synth who she's helping out his case. And like, he just wants to go back and live with the family that he lived with. Like, yeah, that was his family. Like, that's who he felt comfortable with. And, you know, they don't want him because he is, you know, gay, let's just say, <laughs> like, just, you know, to, to, to continue on, you know, the, the racism and homophobia sort of metaphors that this show is, is tossing at us. Like, suddenly he came out and he doesn't get to be part of the family anymore. And he feels, you know, rejected and broken about that. And Laura just being like, you know, they'll have you arrested. They can do that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it's sad because, yeah, he like, that was his home and it's not his home anymore. Um, anyway, sorry. Yeah, and it's interesting that they asked like, no, no, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that the lady asks, do they want him back? And everyone kind of gets quiet. Uh, I don't know what we're meant to infer, but I kind of, Got what I thought in my head was, does it matter? Like, the pain here is that it doesn't even matter what they think. Like, he just can't go back. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. Yeah, um, I Bob, guess. Did you have any thought of Joe, Joe living in his yeah. weird well, Amish community? Yeah, so I thought, um, pre since being, um, sentient it's fine you know like it's amish people have the right to choose to live as amish people like i think that that's a great analogy in terms of like what we're talking about here um and it's if they choose that lifestyle fine but the second since become sentient and um this is now an issue of rights among conscious living beings um, this takes on a whole different meaning. And Joe did not choose this life pre since pre the knowledge of since being um conscious. He did it afterwards. So this isn't it is not about um protecting human involvement in the economy. Um, it's about 
It is about hate. Oh, because he bought Mia. Like, he bought Anita. Yeah. Like, he was not anti-synth not... until they woke up and, you know, yes. he had to, like, deal with them. As well, yeah, so... I mean, he changed a lot. They all changed a lot. Like, they their positions kind of switched. Like, he was the more pro-synth. Laura was the more anti-synth. Well, yeah, because he bought first. a hot synth. Yeah. Like... <laughs> But I mean, both of you were pro Stanley because he's a piece. So like, (laughs) don't talk to me. (laughs) But I was, I wanted to ask Bob's like, this is the the puzzle though, is that when you say it's about, um, that sort of assumes that ascribes a universal motivation to everyone who lives there. Whereas as soon as you find and you found a neighborhood, um, people are going to move in with all kinds of motivations. So can we really condemn the neighborhood because it was founded with some intentions that we disapprove of? Um, I think that like maybe condemn is too strong a word. I think that there should always be the intent to understand first, but um, at the same time, it's like you're trying to understand someone's decision to do something that isn't kind, I guess. Um, and there's, a, there's good reasons to do something that isn't kind and there's bad reasons to do something that isn't kind. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we talk about creating communities where people feel empowered. Um, and so when you talk about like liking Chinatown, liking things like that, like, um, people, Amish town. yeah, people yeah. moved in, in proximity to each other, not to, create a place that was um insular and not welcoming to other people but to hold communion with each other in a way that was familiar and comfortable so it's kind of like are did this area did, did this place come to be because people came together in in a way that like was not ever meant to be exclusionary it was just out of like familiarity and comfort um or did people go there to keep things out i think those are two very different motives you know right no i understand that but does it matter hmm? sorry i understand that but does it matter in retrospect it does matter like if It, it matters if it turns out if you read a history of a chinatown in some town and it turns out yeah, the founders of the, the this particular Chinatown did actually hate everyone else and they wanted to live separately. But that was like 100 years ago or whatever. Um, even if it was last week, um, does it really matter? I think intent always matters. Um, so if it was about like hating everyone else, and, and again, like you could then, why is there hate? Is there hate based on... Um, uh, what's you know being treated poorly by other people and wanting to create an area that is safe for you and your family um is it uh, about like you know so there's a lot of different again it's like understanding first and then um if this is just about like discomfort and wanting to keep something out that you feel uncomfortable with um I, I, it's just kind of like you're looking at somebody who is deciding to feel a certain way about something. Um, that's, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know. There's, 
there's just no i mean i understand let's grant that i'm I'm happy to grant for the sake of this discussion or generally that if you if a neighborhood is founded um for the sake of like wanting to get away from a certain group of people or what you call hate then that's bad let's agree that that's bad my my question is if a neighborhood was founded on bad reasons uh and now new people live there uh, what can we say about that? Well, it's why do they move it, there? It, the the real estate is fantastic. I mean, that's that's. I mean, there are a million reasons why people move there. I mean, who knows? I mean, we get. I mean, we you get... can generally ask. Sorry, you can generally ask this about any institution. Does the history of the institution, does the ancient history of the institution, really matter when we want to analyze its contemporary relevance? Right. So like, does it matter that, for example, unions, um, like we're talking about like Chinatowns and whatever, a lot of these towns were created because, um, Asian people and specifically Chinese people were excluded from society, including by labor unions. Labor unions were one of the major sources of like Chinese exclusion. Mm-hmm. And so does that mean like we should condemn labor unions today? I mean, that, you know, to I mean- what extent? Yeah. I, I think the show is showing us this like nascent version of it of saying these people are trying to keep out this other group that they're not into. But we do get a conversation in episode two where Joe and Toby are talking about it. And Joe actually does provide like kind of an interesting, Joe is a super interesting character because again, I'll, I'll get back to that conversation, but even later on, we Joe is set up as like a very caring father. And so his fucking kryptonite was meeting Sam uh, and Karen and like he yeah. stormed <laughs> off, but you know that he keeps coming back and like eventually he starts to very much care mm-hmm for Sam because he is a dad and he is able to through Sam sort of genuinely humanize mm-hmm. the the synths but but in the conversation that he has with Toby you know and and Toby's conversation I think in the car with, when he's talking with Laura and and Flat Stanley is driving I don't know why I keep him calling it Flat Stanley probably because <laughs> they like hide his bulge and like so he is flat on the front but that like you know he's like you know maybe I would like to have a job and feel fulfilled and Joe is talking about how he wants to be a green grocer he makes 75% less than what he used to do you know on the factory floor but he's like I actually get to talk to people I'm not just acting like a machine in a cog, acting like a synth, Mm -hmm. acting like a robot, I get to be a person. And so this is the sacrifice that I'm willing to make to do that. And so, you know, I I don't think necessarily that enough nuance was, there was probably not enough room in the show to really pay nuance to that aspect Mm -hmm. of it. Because you're right, we do see it as a, I don't want to be around synths, synths synths are icky, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, they're other, they're, you know, yeah. A different race, they're a different sexuality, they're they're whatever you know thing that they that that we're trying to create a metaphor for. But Joe being like, I here I get to be a person and I get to have conversations with other people, and in the wider world, that wasn't that wasn't the life that I could lead because of the way that like capitalization and industrialization and all of this dehumanizing stuff happened. Well, but you have to you have to also recognize that being the grocer in an all human market is not was obviously not his only option. Like, does he have any experience being a grocer ever? No. Um, so there's a <laughs> lot of careers where I'm sure that he would have plenty of human contact because look at Laura. 
you know, and her her job, she dealing with synths is a new thing. And really, the minority of what she would deal with should she show so choose to. Um, and so in in a sense, like he's gravitating towards this role where that can be his thing. And at the same time, yes, he's a complicated character. Um, but if we're using him in a story to show the many different lives that people would take um, and removing that um, nuance to this specific character, somebody who chooses to live in this kind of community after sentience has happened. Um, and I, and I will I add the issue. Hmm? No, well, so, so slight change though, is that he was shown as like a factory work. Like, I think that we're meant to see Joe as a lot more blue collar than obviously Laura, who oh, is yeah. very well yeah. educated as an attorney. And so I think that he definitely also represents the, well, fuck, like I can either be worked to death like a synth mm -hmm. and they just treat me like that, or a synth is just going to take whatever job that I could get and do it better and more efficient efficiently. Like that was kind of the purpose of them. And so like I do see the show trying to also weave this, this narrative of like, if you're unskilled or not particularly skilled labor, like you don't have a job. And that's also something that I think we've seen in other futuristic sci-fi sci shows yeah. as well. Like we've seen it in the expanse of just being like, you know, if you are someone who does not provide, you know, vital mental work, something is going to replace you or you will be treated like a robot. Like those are your sure, choices. Sure, but I think they like, they showed him as upper management, um, mm. which I think is. Well, so I was confused because, well, I'm not really confused. It's just a, well, actually I have, which is, um, so he, <laughs> he was sort of like a white collar worker at first. Then because of since he got demoted sort of to this blue collar job and he literally changed to blue outfit <laughs> and then um, <laughs> where he was just like logging boxes around and, and we're meant to assume that he made three times or four <laughs> times what he makes now. Logging boxes around at Amazon. Meanwhile, than, his, than his tomatoes cost having his own cents. grocery store. Yeah, I, I don't get how that math works. This show is not very pro entrepreneur. <laughs> like this, <laughs> I feel like I feel like yeah. we. I keep putting us into topics and getting us into the weeds. So, <laughs> is it okay if I get us into other weeds? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's talk because I feel like we also had some notes on um the primary school with Sophie and her dare talk, um, and that leads. Yeah, to I love that scene. It was great because that dude was such a fucking tool. Like he was the worst. <laughs> and Sophie's face throughout the whole thing being like, this guy's a fucking tool. This is what a human um, penis looks like. Yes. In in actual well, that's the thing, you know, him being British, I would have called him, you know, an absolute cunt. But yes, to your point, he is he is a knob. He's a fanny face. Um he yes. <laughs> but like, you know, to 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 indoctrinate children into this this Again, we'll just use the term racism because, you know, there's been studies and all this sort of stuff. Like, the idea that racism and and bigotry is socially engineered, you learn it from mm -hmm. a parent. You learn it, you know, from the adults and, and, and influential figures around you. And so Sophie is like, no, I don't – this is not how I was raised. And yet she has pressure coming from the institutions around her, from mm -hmm. her peers – Later on, she gets uninvited to a birthday party because of what her mother is doing. Like, mm -hmm. that was a really, I think, powerful scene yes. to, like... Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and, like... Well, I mean, you can only... 
No, go no, ahead. you go first. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to point out one thing I was going to point out is that like you, you only call it racism if you assume that these synths have the same status as humans, if they have consciousness that that's worthy of the same rights and status as humans. And that's since that's precisely what a lot of these people disagree with. That's sort of what makes a lot of this complicated. And this relates also to the discussion about the, the neighborhood. It's like, well, a lot of these people just don't think that they're being hateful because they don't think that the object of their hate is a person, sentient being or something. Yeah, it's not a person. It's not some someone you can have a moral stance towards. It's just an object. And so part of the difficulty, and I think this is true in a lot of real life political disagreement is that people disagree on certain premises uh, that are very crucial and um, this is sort of like you get a lot of like normative or moral um, judgment coming out that sort of assumes that premise but it's that's the very premise that's in dispute you know I mean, um, so I think it's a little difficult it requires something called like moral imagination where you need to suspend your moral instincts or uh, intuitions for a second to realize this person actually disagrees with the factual premise behind my moral sentiment um and that needs to be resolved but i mean i think that that's Sorry, a super saying? interesting point on the other hand like these synths like very clearly pass the turing test and so like listen these are the rules that people set up to define like consciousness and like ai and like what makes something like real and then they're like no 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 just who, who kidding like, people who's who set up the rules humans like humans who, invented who? the turing because like mm. well who like turing is just some dude who cares what turing said and, and <laughs> this <more> too. like <laughs> this is the whole problem here is that there are really no standards people don't know what is moral and immoral in this case it's just all new uncharted territory but i think, I mean, I I think, think people I mean, do know what's can you moral. say explain what you mean by the term i think people innately know Sorry, what's what? moral i think it's mm, I th that's very <laughs> well no i i think well you could you could make it more complicated because it is complicated but i think that innately people feel right and wrong and it, it gets convoluted through certain lenses of society um and i think it's like when we talk about right yeah, now yeah i would say that usually when i hear that is like i think i'm baffled why everyone doesn't agree with my moral intuition and my story is that no everyone really deep down does well, but it's it's like to say otherwise is to say for example when people assert that you need the bible to understand morality um which obviously uh -huh. you don't obviously when it comes down to it it's you know morality is like recognizing hurt in another individual and respecting that hurt as something that's just as valuable as your own. Um, and I... I mean, that's... Wait, are we talking about empathy again? What the fuck? <laughs> but was, like... That's just one definition, though. Right? Yeah, sure, sure. And it's just, like, my fly-of-the-pants definition. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, like, when we talk about 
how people view synths and, um, you know, giving them leeway to not see them as humans. Like, do do we go back into um, the civil rights and slavery and, and talk about how people viewed slaves as not humans? Um, and, and, you know, are we are we saying that that's truly what they believed? Is that what the Bible was used to make them believe? Is that what the economy dictated them to believe? Like, there's a lot of facets to it. Well, regardless of how you psychologize them, the truth is that that's something that people believed at the time, that certain groups of people um, are just not human. They don't have the same status. But I I really feel like that's always with an agenda. That's you don't believe that unless there's an agenda. Well, regardless of how, again, you can like explain away why they believe that. But the point is that people believe that, and it included a lot of very intelligent people who believe that. And so I think the first step would be to realize that we're not special. I don't think that if I were if I lived in that era, that I would be special and that I would know exactly what's right and what's wrong. Uh, I might well have been one of those people who thought so. That's the first step for me to realize is uh, sort of moral humility. That if I lived at that time, I might well have been one of the people who thought these people are really not, don't have the same human status as others. Because, primarily because I know it included so many people at the time of all types and intelligent all people of all agenda, people with no agenda. And so I... I yeah, it would. I think it would be arrogant for me to assume that no, if I lived at the time, I would vehemently condemn this practice that virtually every civilization has practiced throughout history. And so, but then the second question, it, it's still a question of like, how does that happen, right? Um, why do? How do we get people to to think this way about other people? And what is obvious to us today that wasn't obvious? To them, um, those are all good questions, but um, I don't think it's fruitful to try to like explain their their why they think that way through some sort of like ulterior. I mean, I, I think it is because I think that psychology. if you take a um, if you look at the economic mechanisms of a society, um, I think that if you remove the those economic pieces that it's very clear what is right and what is wrong. Um, And I think that greed plays a huge part in how we interpret society and how we dictate how society should look at something. Um, And there's always individuals in that society that see through it, but I think greed is a very powerful thing. And so I think you can kind of like peel that away and look at things differently. But I think I mean, I don't know how to say this. Like, there's a lot of complexity, sure. <laughs> um, but I think ultimately, if a person by themselves is looking at a situation in a bubble, that they know what is right and wrong. Um, and it's not until we introduce these stressors, such as greed of people who have less moral inclinations, that we start to blur the lines. Yeah, I think that's a comforting story, and I'm always 
skeptical of comforting <laughs> stories. Um, yeah, again, I would point out, regardless of how we think, like what explains why these people believe what they believe, I think it's 100% possible that if I lived at the time, I would believe, believe a similar thing. And you can say it was greed, blinding me, or whatever you no, want to say. No, I would say, like, fine, if, but... if I, Shaheen, I believe that if you were to walk into an alien desert because some ship took you to some planet, and there you encountered alien life forms, you your initial um, instincts would not be to, like, how do I take advantage of this? How do I, what, is this, like, monetary value on Earth? Is this, does, I think that you would think, like, what is this? How do I interact with it? And you would come at it at a very much like, how do I understand you? And, you know, any kind of s- signal it would give you to its feelings, you would respect that. And in that, that would be uh-huh. like approaching it from a bubble of like how you would treat another being. Um, and it's not until we create this whole complex society where their status is a thing, you know, um, and part of that status, we've created economy and money that is factors into that status where we start to create these values that are strong enough to ignore our basic um, in intrinsic morality and ability to approach things um, with an open mind. I mean... You realize slavery has been practiced like throughout history by all kinds of societies, including like some pretty like primitive ones or like basic ones. Like you don't need a whole giant economy to have slavery. Slavery has been with humanity always. Um, and in all of these, like, in, in, in a lot of these cases, like, slaves were purchased. So, like, there were people of the same kind who were selling these people as slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, most, the vast majority of slaves weren't, um, like, captured in the wild. They, they were, they were purchased. They were, like, prisoners or, like, unwanted or otherwise, service. whatever. It was, like, yeah, they didn't want originally in the in their tribe. Their tribe didn't want them, so they sold them away. Um, or the society that they, the king that ruled over them didn't want them, so they sold them away. Uh, and so you and you know, well, yeah, I mean, it definitely has a lot to do with the economy because, like, why do we? Why did people do that? Because they didn't have any way of taking care of these people. You know, the slave was going to be a prisoner, and the you know the society wasn't going to benefit so like it's a horrible thing in retrospect but it was really at the time it was just what you did it was like there wasn't much of a choice for anyone um just like any other life form you kind of you're kind of thrown into it and you're presented with these choices um and you do the best you can within those choices so we have a tendency to look back at back at those situations and have uh, and take that moral high ground. Um, I think it's important that we approach it with some humility. Mm. Well, so much for us staying on <laughs> Sophie's fucking school assembly. Uh, let's go down another rabbit hole as I'm moving through. Wait, our, can I pee um, really fast? I like super have to pee. 
Yeah, we can we can take a little a little five okay, minute break. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna leave it recording. Fuck it. Okay, I'm gonna mute because I have okay. to pee. Okay, me too. I I I had other thoughts uh, about that conversation we were just having. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, I don't know what pubs were. Oh no no continue like I'm I'm all ears on that it's like just I do feel that like you know when when we look at monkeys in the wild they always exhibit empathy in the sense of like you know you you do the test with a chimpanzee where you you drop an object on the floor near them and then you kind of like reach out your arm as if you can't reach it and it's like Nine out of ten times, the monkey will look at the object, pick it up, and hand it to you because it, it notices that you need it. Like, it's it's like, oh, I'll help you. Like, it's just like this this switch that goes on, like, yes, I'll help you. Um, And so I think that most people are like that. I mean, right. But that's uh, – but, but the, the million-dollar question is what are the set of entities that you expand your empathy to that you you're capable of and willing to have empathy for right and i think if you look at the history of humanity in a way that like moral progress has been just expanding in this circle more and more right so originally it was just your tribe right and then uh people realize a lot of like monotheistic religions like islam um, they're, they serve to unify various tribes that were, you know, always at war with each other because they recognized each the humanity of each other within the tribe, but not across tribes. And so a, a unifying religion like Islam would bring them all together. And so now they recognize all of each other as also being, uh, humans and, ha- and being worthy of empathy. And, and then, you know, you'd have to, then we had to spend like another few hundred years to then expand that circle beyond your religion. Oh, yeah, right? with so, the whole the Crusades, know. the Pope crisis, the everyone Yeah, and the Protestants versus Catholics. I mean, uh, Protestants and Catholics hated each other so much that even the peace negotiations were done uh, seg- in a segregated way. Like, they, they wouldn't meet in the same room. They would be on two different sides of the town and someone would go back and forth fucking ridiculous um um, and so and so we then expanded that and then you know then race and we expanded that and so and now we are at a point where people are saying look we need to expand this even to animals right and one way to sort of try to learn um try to like gain insight into um historical people people our ancestors before us is to sort of try to imagine a future right where our um grandchildren our posterity will judge us right and so i can imagine like a future where um everyone has accepted that animals have consciousness and they have feelings and they have you know um qualia and we shouldn't hurt them and um and then they look back at us and they're like i don't understand how my you know ancestors could have been so callous and and so um evil like they had they had these factories where they would line up these poor things and slaughter them uh and they would like how could they ever let this happen there must have been something must have gone wrong with them right 
Um, whereas from our point of view, we think, well, it just didn't occur to us that, that those would also be included in the circle. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a, that's my question. That sort of leads to another question I had, which is what is the criterion for being included in that circle? I I mean, I I think Um, it's a little unfair to equate animals with humans. Um, I think it's more apt in the, the situation we're talking about, you know, artificial intelligence um which you know blurs lines by them looking exactly like us um but i i think that it's unfair to compare um all the ill like all the cruel things that humans have done to humans with a you know how we treat animals um because i think a lot of people would prefer a world where we treat animals well um but i think it's like treating people poorly is criminal um well no i I feel like i'm just proving your point do you think it's unfair because is it do you feel do you think it's unfair the comparison is unfair because you don't include animals in that circle of agency that you include other humans i I think that it's unfair well i think maybe the unfairness is in us ourselves having the conversation um when there's a lot of humans who are still treated unfairly um and i think you know sometimes it is easier to empathize with animals than humans and to it's i'm having a really hard time explaining this um I was just trying to point out that, like, there's a potential circularity. Sure, sure, but you're saying because you're sure, but I think it's just like the the atrocities to humanity are something that I think it's just like the awareness of humans and the um, the unfairness that we put upon people, um, and we've done so in through history is something that we really need to reckon with. Um, And while we definitely need to reckon with the cruelty of animals, I think that it's unfair to compare them um, because in a sense that we are equating what we've done with people to what we've done with animals in, um, I don't know, I'm having a really hard time explaining that. Well, that's because you think that humans have a higher status than animals. I'm saying, right? no, well, no, it's more that... And, and that's precisely the circularity, because an ancient person would say, well, I think it's unfair that you're comparing a slave to a free person. Right, but... Slaves but, are just not the gives, same as free people. Who gives a shit about the historical stuff? Like, to say, oh, well, in history we did this, or oh, in history we did that, and maybe in the future they'll do this, like... I don't care about that. I care about right now what we have known is morally wrong and what we have changed throughout our history to make that sort of thing right. And to Bubs's point, perhaps, hopefully in the future, um, you know, treating the animals that we use for food will become a much more paramount issue because that's where we're moving towards. But like to say, oh, well, there were slaves in history, like, you know, what's the difference of it now? And it's like, well, yeah, but we decided that that was a bad thing. Like, we we collectively learned and we're like, that was maybe not the best moment of humanity. Um, Right. But but the point is to learn from that, to reflect back on it and to ask, what is, um, what did we learn and and what what can we use 
that episode to learn about our current situation because that's what I'm trying to say is our fu- the future generations will look at back will look back at us and whatever gets accepted at then at that time they will look at us and they will be puzzled by why we think so and part of having moral imagination is try to uh sort of get beyond what you currently think is right or wrong and try to ask yourself um what do the, what is the difference between me and someone 200 years from now who's going to say how could you ever do that why wasn't it obvious to you from the first moment that this is wrong i guess like the way that i feel Um, is that um it's humans live for how many years and the atrocities we commit upon these individuals lasts for decades and um i i think that we really do need to reconcile with how we treat animals um the cruelty that we put on other people is measurably um worse especially because you know like it's like our own species that we are and i I totally get what you're saying shaheen where it's like well should not our species be the same as other species? And and yes, it's totally part of the conversation. We're talking about these sentient robots. Um, but I think that the awareness is different and the participation in society is different. Um, you know, animals are never going to vote. Um, animals are never going to be a part of the discussion. Um, and so to give that... Um, what is the word um to kind of use animals as a way to distract from the inhumanity that we are treating other humans with um, i think is unfair because it's kind of like it's like a distraction from what we are doing in the now to people who should be the part of the conversation not to distract, hmm? so, yeah so Getting back to Sophie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Fuck's I kind of want to go with something what, with what you said, Joe. Um, so, like, forgetting the... Yeah, so, forgetting the historical aspect, let's just ask a universal question. What exactly is the criterion for being included in that circle, in that expanding circle of agency that we have now included all human races into, um, and religions and, and creeds and whatnot? And and we're wondering, should we include animals in, into it? Should we include sense into it? What is that? The, what is the like criterion for membership in that circle? And you would think that, given that, presumably, sense crossed the line between not being in that circle, being simply an object that you can just destroy and throw away, to being inside that circle, being something that you need to respect and not harm, presumably is that switch that happens when the consciousness code is uploaded, right? And that since that has two components, the membership criterion is presumably one or the other or both of those, right? And the two components are um, qualia and agency, right? Free will. Um, And so is is the reason that it's wrong to kill a conscious synth because they have qualia? Is it or because they have agency? 
There's I think that there's a triage of it in a sense where there's a lot of problems to address and the people who think and feel as closely as we do kind of move up in the triage because they experience a, a more profound um I don't know, stress, um, torture of not being considered. Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> no, that's interesting. So yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, it's, it's tricky because if you say, you know, the problem with the animals is they can't tell us what they want or don't want. I mean, apart from the fact that, like, I have a cat screaming outside my <laughs> office because he is really upset that the door is closed. Oh, and he's... I beg to differ, and... ma'am. <laughs> with what? Sorry. No, no, I'm just kidding. You know, cats... They have really opinions they about know things. what they want. <laughs> but, like, at the same time, like, you can't say to a cat, like, you know... <sighs> Or, or a pet or something No, like I get that. what you're saying. It gets, it gets tricky because they cannot communicate with us in the same way of, you know, abstract thought and whatever. And so I think, I think to your question, Shaheen, I think, I think it's either and I think it's also both. Um, because, you know, what Bubs is talking about is, you know, the way that we treat animals is terrible and blah, blah, blah. And animals do have a sense of agency. And it is, you know, we can argue that they have a sense of qualia, but, you know, that that's a bit more nebulous. Like, we don't really have a way to test that. But, like, I can call my cat and be like, hey, come here. And he can just look at me and be like, fuck you. <laughs> and no. And so that is, you know, a provable point of agency. And certainly that, like, if, you know, in talking to these synths, it's... I mean, and sure, we could say that they're lying or that they're programmed to say that they have feelings and stuff like that. But if we take them at their word and say, you know, we have feelings, we do not want to be killed. We are, you know, and this is a conversation that Mia and, and Niska have in episode two. And oh, my God, we are never even going to get to episode two. I might just like we're going to cover the power of parental love and then we're moving to episode two. But whatever. So we're going to talk about this, um, you know, in the next episode where Mia is talking about the fact that like they don't have a way to reproduce like this is it this is the end of their line unless something else happens unless they wake up all the orange synths or they start to you know have their own factories or something like that so to ask a synth you know do you want to die or do you want to live and them saying fuck no please don't kill me like that in and of itself if we take it at their word that they are saying that out of a true sense of agency mm -hmm. and that they have feeling about whether or not that they get killed then, yeah, it would be immoral to to kill them, just as it is, you know, when we get into actual, like, livestock, like, that gets to be a bit of a tricky sort of situation, because, you know, one could argue that livestock is raised for the purpose of food, so, you know, their desire to not be killed is sort of like, that's not what you were put here for. But, you know, if you're talking about, you know, someone who just randomly goes out and fucking you know kills animals for shits and giggles or tortures them or you know whatever the fuck we can certainly see that as a moral like you're fucked up mm -hmm. something is wrong with you and like you are taking pleasure in the pain and suffering of something else um so yeah i think i think it is it is either and it is both and in the synth's case Killing a synth is therefore immoral. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up language because uh I mean people have often wondered 
philosophers have always wondered whether you can have um, sort of human style free free will and agency and sort of uh, autonomy without language. Like, can you have rationality without language? Uh, can you even have thoughts without language? And um, so, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, but I mean, is if the problem is just to know what the animal wants, whether they want to be killed or not, I mean, I think it's safe to assume that they don't want to be killed, right? And and you can see that in their behavior, even though they don't have language. But I think it's usually pretty clear if you've ever seen an animal being slaughtered that they they're not excited about what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, and, and they often kind of weirdly know that you're going to hurt them. Um, so they start getting all antsy and stuff. And, you know, that's why, like, they give them a little water to calm it down. Or that cow press um, thing that Temple Graydon was all about. Yeah, where, I mean, I, I wonder if the animals would be so stressed if they couldn't smell whatever sort of stress pheromones that we're giving mm-hmm. off. You know, like, <laughs> how much of it yeah. is us, like traumatizing the animal or just smelling like cow blood in the next room you know and they're like wait even even plants smell like when they're getting cut should be on the inside (laughs) so wait so we're we're yeah so yeah i mean it's interesting right like we're joking about this and like again i'm trying to imagine this from like a point of view of someone like 200 years from now um just the fact that we're joking about it means like we don't really totally consider them as having the same status. Uh, and if someone is really convinced that they do have the same status, we just look like we look really evil just now. Because we're like, ha, why is the animal stressed? We're going to murder it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, that's sort of like how we would feel if we saw someone like joking about murdering another person. So... Anyway, uh, yeah, I was just imagining, but I, I was thinking, um, sorry, did I interrupt someone? Did someone, was someone saying something? Um, yeah, I guess that's okay. I forgot what I was saying. Well, this is actually a good segue if we're talking about murder to talk briefly <laughs> about, um, something that, that this is a seed that's sort of sown in this episode. We come back to it in the next episode, and then we really come back to it uh, towards the end of the season when Laura sort of gets presented with the choice between Sam and her family. But basically, um, that Laura confirms that, like, a parent, like, that a child is a parent's priority in terms of, like, she would, yes, she would sacrifice a synth for her kids. It's her fucking kids. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that, like, it was sort of a bad faith argument being made on that TV show towards her to be like, oh, I got you. You're, you'd prioritize your kids over a synth. And it's like, she would prioritize a kid over any other human. Like, fuck yeah. you. Um, but uh, we also kind of get it from the other side with Karen feeling very maternal, you know, or something, something akin to it with with Sam and her and her taking care of that. Um and I just, I, I, I wanted to sort of talk to that a little bit because I, I feel like that is a very central theme that sort of comes back, excuse me, a few times um, throughout throughout this season. Um, and did you guys have any sort of thoughts about that? Yes, I had a lot of thoughts about it. Um, I think, you know, Karen gives us like a, 
a bird's eye view into maybe what it would look like for synths to be um, maternal, paternal, um, caring about a another generation of themselves, basically. Um, and she makes it very apparent that that is possible to have those instincts. And I don't know if it's just because she pers- she in particular was built to be a mother, you know, and um, I wonder if this extends yeah. to the synths that were created as domestic assistant people like supposedly Mia was, um, but other people like that who were were meant for the household to interact with children, etc. Um but it does kind of like open this whole door with, you know, when um, Laura's saying that she, of course, like her children are most important for any parent, children would be most important. And is this an inflammatory statement for since to hear? Because as it is right now, they are not capable of um, fathering or mothering a child or passing on their genes. You know, there isn't this um, circle of life. They don't have a biological urge. They don't have a biological urge, but they also like, you know, from the psychological standpoint of where they fit into the human world, you know, they don't have this um, circle of life per se, where um, it's not just about being able to procreate. It's about, the unconditional love that comes from, you know, being born to something um, and then maybe passing on your genes and being like this long line of evolution, you know, it's like, regardless of what species you are on the planet, like you're, you're all within the hand of the path of evolution in life. Um, and so to be outside of that, um, are, does, does this whole thing about, well, our children are most important negate the life of a synth from that perspective um and it's it's interesting to think about so when when Laura says that on that one show where she's like well yes of course our, our anybody any parents priorities their children um is that meant to be inflammatory like is that meant to be exclusionary um i don't know i i don't know how a synth would feel to hear that um because you know, any human potentially could contribute to the next generation if so, if they Gross. so desired. <laughs> Gross, yeah. If they so desired, <laughs> as I said, it's very icky. Yeah. You know my feelings on egg yes. laying. Like honestly, synth reproduction <laughs> makes way. Like I'm, I'm all for it. But like they do bring up an interesting, tro- an interesting. Um, it's less about them passing on their genes and more of them just realizing that without any sort of other intervention that their species is finite yes but i wonder if it's because at the end of the day i felt that because they were created you know they were someone was able to create these free thinking beings um i think that engineering is on their side to create also synths that are able to engineer a child that's code is like share the shared code of you know two cents i think that i think they could make it happen based on the technology that they've well, introduced spoiler alert that's how the season is ends it? right they miss that do you forget about that yeah well the end of the season is that we're gonna be able to have synth babies um that are like part synth part part yeah human. remember maddie gets pregnant um, oh wait, wait 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 i do not remember that so she gets pregnant with who like leo's baby Leo, yeah. Yeah, but Leo is already half human. So it's like, how is it not just the, the human genetics? 
Well, I think it's that the possibility is there. Like he, if he is, well, but well, it's like it's all schmines. But they they say that like they say it's gonna happen, and then 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 this this show got canceled. So, <laughs> so no, that was my big question this episode. I think, despite it being very much heavily the plot of, you know, um, the synths versus the humans, I really felt like the underlying issue was um, the family unit, basically, you know, and what, what does family mean to synths? What does family mean to humans? What is the intersection of that? And, um, you know, the synths are very much experimenting with what family means to them because everything is so new to them. And despite, you know, the, 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 the synths that we were introduced to, which had an established family that was, you know, a mirror of human family because that is what their creator introduced them to and taught them. Um, we see other synths sort of experimenting with that. And so outside of, I think outside of Maddie and Leo and whatever happens with that, because it's still, to me, it still feels like the genetics of like a human to human conception. Um, I do feel like the potential for synth to synth procreation and then how does that fit in because yes like this argument that the media always brings in and weaponizes is like think of the children you know um and well yes think of the children because if synths are having children like what is that argument anymore i mean you brought up an interesting point about sort of the family unit and yes the the original family of synths that we met were raised as a family unit, but then we have sort of this refugee camp of which Max is sort of the leader of, but his, mm-hmm. his tenure is very sort of precarious. And like, he, he even calls himself the leader, but at the same time, like it's him sort of negotiating what that means and how to be sort of impartial about it or how to best serve the synth people mm-hmm. um, versus like, you know, for the most part, like your dad can be a fucking asshole, but like you don't really get to like elect a different dad. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. I'm, I'm generalizing. Like, yeah, it's yeah. entirely possible that mom could be like, "Fuck this noise, get divorced, and you get a new dad." Like, yeah. fine. But like in terms of a family, and you're like, you know what, dad? I don't have confidence in your leadership. So the board <laughs> we met, um, we you know we have enough shares that we have um, you know overruled you. And I've decided that my don't... PE teacher is going to be my dad now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, let me see. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to to look through this. Um, which. This the end of the episode actually finished with Max making a very utilitarian. I don't know the word Shaheen. You'll correct me here, but like basically, he was presented with: if you do not take the life support battery from Leo, sorry for everyone in a recap, their camp got raided. Blah blah blah. Like <laughs> bad shit was happening. But basically, like if you do not take the life support from Leo and put this other synth on it during a blackout, she will die versus Leo may die. Um, and so, you know, in that case, he certainly did choose yeah, the synths, but I, I feel like that's, that's a decision that we should talk about that should lead us into sort of the next episode. And Oh my God, this is the longest podcast. ever. <laughs> well, no, 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 that is a great so, point because it, it talks about, so when we think of artificial intelligence and humans, you know, one of the lines that we always draw is that humans are emotional and we don't make utilitarian decisions for the most part. Um, And I think that that's 
Oh, it is describing mm-hmm. that, you know, since cross the line of humanity, because for them, like, um, those decisions have value and utilitarian decisions are something that are as equally hard to them as they are to everybody else. I just want to make a really quick point drawing yes. back to the media coverage that you that we watched in sort of the the previous, you know, uh-huh. meanwhile, this they actually in the news coverage talked about the synths having emotions and behaving irrationally. And you're like, is that not people? Yeah. Is that like you're making an argument that they are not people and yet you literally just described people? Yeah. But right. anyway, continue, continue. And even like Max says that like, you know, um, I've I've been feeling more. I, I, am I like getting more human? He says, but I think that like really, it's not about feeling more because humans are a gamut of how much they feel. Um, I think it's more that like he is able to be changed by the experiences that he's encountered, and I think that speaks more to his humanity than any of his emotional um, ties, basically. Did you have any thoughts on sort of the ending stuff with with Max and him choosing Leo or not choosing Leo, I guess, is the case maybe, in, in which case he didn't choose his family member? Right. Shahid? Yeah, no, I mean, I had, I had thoughts about it in two different ways, at least. So one is like, I was thinking, as you were saying, in terms of utility, right? So this is utility maximization, where you have two courses of action or however many courses mm-hmm. of action, and each uh has um like a probability of resulting in various outcomes so you chart it out so you you write down each course of action like you give it a row and then each column is like a possibility like a possible consequence of that course of action and then uh you assign two things to each possibility to each outcome you assign a probability to it and a utility. So like you say, I think this is this percent likely to happen and this is how much I like or dislike it happening, right? So like you say, it's like, I think there's a 30% chance that like if we take out the liver, there's a 30% chance the patient will die, um, which is like the least desirable outcome. So you can assign like, uh, the the lowest number to that and then you say if we do this other thing uh, uh but or i'm sorry but then um just sticking with taking taking out the liver but then there's like a 50 percent chance that the patient will fully recover and you can assign like positive 100 to that or whatever number you want and then you add up these so what you do is you multiply the probability and the utility so you say this is 30% and I like it minus 50 uh, and this is 20% I like it plus 100 or whatever and so you multiply the probabilities and the utilities and you add them up and then you do you take the course of action that has the highest total utility um, that results from adding up all that stuff and so what what's funny about Max's reasoning is that he points out he says like look in one of these columns the outcome is um, Max dies, um, and that's like sixty percent. Leo, uh, Leo yeah. sorry, Leo dies sixty percent, and that he doesn't die is forty percent. The for the other patient, it's uh, if we take that course of action, there will also be like some percentage. With the other course of action, 
um, the other person will 100% die. Um, and Leo may or may not die. But then he didn't say, okay, how desirable is each of those outcomes? Like, you have to multiply the probability. That's just all about the probabilities. But we need to multiply that. If you think that Max dying is infinitely undesirable, then it doesn't matter that it's only may and is not will, right? You can say, yeah, 60% times minus 1,000 is how much I like that outcome. And then the other rando dying, okay, minus 10, uh, that's 100% times minus 10. That's not, a, that's not a lot. So I still go with keeping max if you care enough about max. So basically, what all of that says is you still don't care about max enough. Sorry, one more pedantic Leo. Leo this whole time. <laughs> Leo. God damn it. I mean, to be fair, I'm not a huge Leo. fan of Max. He's a little uh, naive for my taste. So, you know, if Max dies, I'm not, I'm not fucked up about it. I'm not a huge fan of Leo. Maybe that's why he keeps it. So, yeah, it's, yeah, Max doesn't care about Leo, basically, what, what I get from all of that. I mean, but, you know, is it also possibly that he understands that his position is increasingly precarious. And so he almost didn't really have a choice. Like he may have personally cared right. more for Leo, but like in terms of his position as, as he sees it, I don't even think that Max is power hungry. It's not like he like did it to keep his position, but he did it to show that he is right. a leader who will put the synths first, um, especially because they see right. Leo. No, that is human. an excellent point like in other words you can say the utility of that other person that seems like a rando dying has now been dramatically reduced for max uh i'm saying max correctly this time max <laughs> for max that person dying is now extremely undesirable more so than before because now he's in this weird leadership position the precarious position is in and everyone's angry and everyone's on edge and so yeah so it's like he might still care the same amount about leo but there's this other reason he has now for caring for this other random which brings me to this other way of looking at his decision which is like different partialities competing right so there's like group identity competing with family identity right and and we i don't know sometimes people want to pretend like it's obvious which one is more important but it's not right that's the whole point it's not obvious and going back to the children question it's not obvious to me that the every parent's priority is their children over just about anything else i mean what about humanity as a whole like if i told you it's your child or a nuclear bomb that will kill all of us and you chose your child, that's stupid because we're all still going to die. You should prioritize. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if the, um, if the whole thing uh, the rest is you choose your child and then every, there's a nuclear whatever and everyone dies anyways, I think that you're still technically choosing your child. I mean, not if, not if your um, child is guaranteed to die if you choose to save humanity. Like, yeah. If it's the choice yeah. between those two. Like, you, you can save humanity, your child will be tortured and will or die, and then, or whatever, right? The point is, like, depending on what the other choice is, there will be a point where your child is, is uh, like, the 
the disutility of, of harming your child will no longer outweigh the utility of whatever the other outcome is, mm-hmm. you know? So this whole thing is like this decision tree has to be filled with both probabilities and utilities. So like, yeah, like your child versus what exactly? Like, and, and you know, Laura could have said, yeah, I care about my children, but I also care about them growing up in a fair world. And if like, if the whole world is going to be grossly unfair, um, and and that is at the end of the line. Like maybe uh, you can add more to that argument, and just just you know, because you can add anything to that argument. You can say, look, uh, this is down the line is actually going to result in even more violence and pain, and my child is going to experience some of that pain unless I get fix this thing. So maybe yeah, this is not the safest thing for my child in the short run. But whatever. So like the whole child thing is just to me is a red herring. I mean. It is and it isn't. Like, I think that to your sort of expanded situations, yes, it does kind of get a little bit tricky. And, you know, at a certain point, there is, you know, a moral tipping point of my child is not worth the lives of six billion people, say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the in, a, in the sort of standard presumption of this synth versus your child, like, I think the partiality would hold for most parents. Like, I'm not going to say all of them because there are some shitty mm-hmm. fucking parents out there um, who, for whatever reason, would choose, you know, not to not to save their family member for or money. whatever the fuck. For money, you know, like, whatever. But, like, the, the, the premise, I think, that the show is trying to say is, like, you know, that that's... It's a, it, it's a, it's yeah. an impossible decision um, and one that Max made in some ways I would even say with emotion. Like I, I think that the show tried to on the surface tell us that it was an emotionless, very utilitarian decision. But I think that Max is unique as much as Max pisses me off with his sort of like hopefulness and naive naiveness um, naivete, whatever, um, that he, the whole point of him is that he has so much empathy and he has so much caring for his people, his people being a, his little tiny family, as well as feeling responsible for all the, these synths. Mm-hmm. And so the choice that Leo may die versus this other synth will die that like he couldn't stomach sort of knowing that he had been responsible. I mean, in addition in addition to maintaining his power and, you know, not in a, not in a shitty way, but just in the like trying to protect his people way. But like also like he probably didn't want that on his conscious consciousness, conscience. There we go. I've been yeah. there we go. Um yeah, anyway, I I I think I think it was it, the this season has given us some really sort of interesting choices. And I would like to bring up one more as we move into the second episode of the season. Um, we've actually talked about a lot of these things in the second episode, like as we were talking about this. But one thing that like before we kind of wrap it up is the conversation that Mia and Niska have on justice versus revenge. Um, I think we all called it out in our notes. And I think that that's like probably like one of the bigger sort of things that we should talk about. Um what did you guys think about that? Like, is it is it the same? Are they different? Can they be the same? Like. Well, it's interesting. It's the issue of um, intentions again, yeah. right? So uh, it sounds like what Mia is saying is that um, if you do the same act, but your motives aren't pure, 
then it's not really the same. Um, right. So, um, and this is sort of like, well, if you're going to like someone bomb the place and you're going to kill them or whatever, um, are you doing this because you think it's the right thing to do? Or are you doing it because you're mad? And you might think, well, could it be both? Can I think it's the right thing to do and be mad? And um, it's interesting to think about that, right? Um, Mia says no. And that's an answer that I think Immanuel Kant would give. Um, he Because he thinks that really what determines whether you're doing the right thing or not is the principle you're following. Uh, what what is the principle behind your action, and um, it, and he thought that generally speaking, desires um, are just sort of they're they're not free. Like when you act out of desire, you're not free. You're acting. You're a slave to your desires. Free means you acted out of reason, and so if your action is contaminated with desire if you did it because for any reason you wanted to do it or you it felt good to do it then you didn't really commit a moral act because you didn't really even do it freely truly um you just you were just a slave to your urges um whereas so like for Kant really when you do something good something moral you really do it with a straight face and you really have no feelings about doing it um so that was sort of interesting to me that reminded me of like mia seems to be a Kantian. but i don't know what do you guys think do you think it matters like if i do something because i enjoy doing it um and i think it's the right thing to do versus if i do it because i just because think i think it's the right thing to do I think... Does my enjoyment take away from the goodness of my act? Um, I think that it can. <laughs> um, I think that... So, for example, if you... If you transported yourself back in history um, and you were into, like, jazz music, right? And so in... in Are you the, trying to torture me? I fucking hate jazz yes i i'm not a big fan either so it's okay okay um but if you're really into jazz music <laughs> and um in order to pursue that that love you have to embrace like the real jazz musicians of that time which were black people um and that was it in your drive to do that was based on your passion for jazz and not so much the the situation at the time, which, you know, um, then, yeah. So it's, it's more like propelled by your self-interest in, in a topic versus if you were to see a, um, a situation where you could step in and fix it because just based on society that your voice would mean something and you can make things better for other people and you would just do it based on your want to make things better for other people. I think that that is different, but at the same time, like I think that we can be appreciative of both of those reasons Um, because ultimately the reality of the situation did not hold you back from that support. Like, yes, it, it, it pushed your support um, but you didn't say like 
oh, but I don't want black people to be in music. So I'm going to try to like go around this. You you said like, no, I love jazz. Black people are part of jazz music. And I'm going to make this as authentic an experience as it needs to be by opening doors for people in a way that I can. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think, at least for me, like, justice and revenge can be the same thing. Yeah. Um, But they don't necessarily have to be. Um, I think, <clears throat> depending on the situation, like, they, they could totally be aligned. Like, justice in some ways, it's sort of like a square and a rectangle situation. Like, not... Mm, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure no, out how I'm trying to word I, this. I know but what basically, you're trying to say, like, yeah. Like, justice should be sort of like the paramount. Like, that is the ideal. Like, if there is a wrong, there should be justice for it. Your revenge might not always line up with the justice, but if it does happenstance line up with the justice or serves justice as you are getting your revenge, well, who who is to fault you for that? That's just lucky. Mm-hmm. That's just... That's just a lucky strike that you get to, like, feel that, you know, that that rush of deliciousness of revenge and also, like, not the guilt. Like, let's say that you're, like, an actually good person, but occasionally you're, like, "Mm, petty revenge. Mm -hmm. Um, The petty revenge feels even better if you know that, like, it's also morally right, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, if it if your revenge is what gets justice across like justice in a broader sort of you know globally accepted way then like it feels even better because you never have to like feel guilty about it or just feeling selfish or like you were a gross person just seeking revenge you're like well these two things happen to line up so even better for me like it's even it's 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 even more sweet if you will um but that said uh, niska wants fucking revenge because that's who niska is and what are you gonna do (sighs) So neither of you guys buy Khan's argument. What is, what's the argument again? Space. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to get bonsai tree, <laughs> so I, I missed part of it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no worries. The argument is that if you're doing it for personal reasons, then you're not really doing a moral thing. Um. Yeah. Yes, yeah. No, no. I don't. I don't. I don't subscribe to that because they can happen to align. Yeah. Well, when you say they happen to align, you already seem to be presupposing that what is the right thing is a matter of facts on the ground. It's simply a matter of consequences. It's what it's like when you say justice, you mean a concrete set of outcomes on the ground. That's what justice is. Like something gets transferred to someone. Like if they robbed you, they, you get your money back, and the transfer of the money back to you is the is the justice. In in certain right? cases, Whereas, in which case I can't think of a situation in which case that would also encompass revenge. Like I think that it's a very specific case where both of them could align. I don't know what that case would be, but like. Well, yeah. Again, to say that they can align because. If you allow that what is right and what is wrong is not just purely a matter of um, outcomes, but it's also a matter of procedures, a matter of um, intentions and and how things are done and why things are done, then um, then you might think that they can never align. 
because if if you there is no such thing as them aligning because if you did it to get revenge then that wasn't justice i justice is not just a matter of the same thing even if it's the exact same outcome it's not just so you can think of it as like if someone gets uh someone commits some crime let's say like maybe they kill someone or something and they then go to court and there's a whole court court proceeding they get their lawyer and they get a prosecution and everything and a jury convicts them and they go to jail for 10 years um they lose their freedom for 10 years um versus that same person committed the same murder but they don't go to jail but the person like the brother brother of the victim or whatever finds the the murderer and and holds him in some cell for 10 years in the in the basement um they still lose their their freedom for 10 years outcome wise it's a very similar thing and the conditions of that basement are probably not worse than the typical american prison <laughs> um <laughs> but um you know, but it's that is that fair? Is that was that justice? I think that's like I mean, a very nebulous thing. Um, and I guess we want a society where something like that seems dangerous, where um having people enact their own justice is something that feels superfluous in like why? Like something that only is done because of very 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 narrow reasons that shouldn't ever happen you know um and so i think that we look at it as a whole where is our society actually punishing um and serving justice in a way that is humane and respects our entire population you know are we giving certain people a pass when we don't give other people a pass like is there a reason why people are seeking you know, um, civilian vigilante justice. Um, if there is a reason why people feel compelled to do that and we can substantiate that reason because yeah, they're not being serviced by the government and their local law enforcement the way that they should be, then we can understand why they've resulted in doing this. Um, and it's something that we can, but it's wait, wait, I have, I have a shame. It, it isn't and it's not, because if we can acknowledge that we failed in in providing justice for something that happened, and so they took it into their own hand, um, I, I think that it's again, it's like such a complicated thing in that we want warning signs that lead us to change to to as a government address it first. Um but if we're not, if like people aren't changing enough, like I can't hold someone. Well, it's just like it's so complicated. It's really complicated because um, I think that there are are times when people are, are not given justice. And in order for them to feel safe and for communities to feel safe, they almost have to create their own enforcement of justice. And in a way that like when you when you look at the context of it. It it seems very much in line with what should have happened in the first place. Um, and how can you fault these people for creating security and safety within their own communities by by doing this quote unquote vigilante justice? 
Um, and, and in those cases, it is a failure of society at large to um, create that safety and accountability. Um, and so I think, I don't know, do we just punish all vigilantism so that there's never any vigilantism? But what happens when we do not meet the needs of um, certain communities? And, and so do we just have them feel powerless and continue to live that way? And like, why would they buy into the society that we've created if it does not serve them? You know, so so here's here's a, 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 a shitty hypothetical. All right. Like, mm-hmm. let's say that there's there's a person and they defrauded you out of, you know, your whole life savings or whatever the fuck. How old am I? Uh, I don't know. You're an adult. Okay. Like so it matters. You're an adult. If it's like my whole def- life savings as like a twenty-two year old, like I can't go to the mall next week. Great. No, but like let's say like that they have caused you like great great financial and you know loss or whatever, mm-hmm. and through all of that, you know, mental stress and you know whatever the fuck and all of that stuff. But they get they get caught by the law, right? Mm-hmm. And they're ordered to, um, you know, they have to they have to pay everyone back, and then you know but that that's kind of it like you know you you were technically made whole in a monetary sense but Mm -hmm. you know you you uh, your life was destroyed mentally like you lost your relationships there's no way that they could like give you that back right Mm -hmm. but let's say that you know through whatever fucking court order like they're like hey anytime you start up a new company or anything like that um you know, you have to make it available to the public or some some sort of nonsense. Like, let's say that you, as the person who was defrauded, then suddenly are able to, like, you go in there and you take your revenge by, like, buying out their company and take, you know, whatever. And that feels good to you. Mm-hmm. Um, justice was technically, you know, sort of served, like, maybe with the money that you got back from them or whatever, you, like, used it to, like, sort of fuck their world up in a perfectly legal way. Mm-hmm. Like... Or, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm making a terrible example here, but like, let's say that your revenge and the justice served sort of like were, were tied to each other. Like, I don't think that there's a moral issue with that. I think that like, it's, it's one thing to like, take sort of, I think to your point, Serheen, like, if you take in sort of like this sadistic pleasure in wanting to like, punish, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm I'm not being very clear. I feel like I feel like my brain is. Well, is no. Is there along. a line between seeing it as sadistic pleasure and just wanting justice? Like, yeah. I mean, again, I think there's two. There are two ways to look at it. Maybe, and maybe these are just like if, two if, fundamental if your ways revenge to is and, to turn someone in. Help. Is that revenge? Like, if you're just trying to turn them into the police, you're like, haha, the law is going to get you. Fuck well, you. Well, so here's. Here's an example that I think might be helpful to think about. So, you know, we have a law that says that if uh, evidence gathered against you is gathered illegally, then that evidence cannot be used against you in court. Okay. Um, and, and this is sort of, uh, we have this principle to keep uh, people, to, to sort of protect people from abuse by law enforcement and by sort of other authorities who would want to like come in and search your house and find something against you. Right. So the idea is like, you can't just barge into my house and and find some, uh, incriminating, you know, item and then take me to court because you came into my house illegally. That whole thing just Mm -hmm. doesn't count. 
Um, and this happens all the time, right? So if, if they don't have a, like a search warrant or whatever, they can find like a pound of cocaine and it doesn't matter because they weren't supposed mm-hmm. to be there. Um, and so now why do we have this? And we have a lot of rules similar to this. Why do we have these sorts of rules? Because we think that the fairness, the justice is not in the outcome of what happens, but it's in the process, right? That's where due process comes from. So you have to have a fair process of convicting someone. And that process might result in, result in something that might otherwise, in terms of outcome, might seem very unfair, right? So let's say like they barge into someone's house and they find evidence that they are the person who murdered your child and buried them in, in, in the backyard. They find your child's body in their backyard. You're not really fucking dark with these examples, dude. Like, Christ. (laughs) What's up with this buying someone's company? I don't know. Why are you burying children Uh, in the backyard? (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Right? So that that goes to court and they say, okay, sorry, evidence was obtained illegally. This whole thing is null and void. And you're like, dude, that's not fair. I was my child. You know, you, you know, this is the person who killed them. We all know it. Um, but the law says, no, the just thing, the fair thing is to let them go because we weren't supposed to search their mm-hmm. backyard. Um, so that's just, a, again, maybe there's just dif- different ways of looking at it is outcome-based versus I think I would based. say it's, um, you know, you yeah, you should not obtain evidence illegally, but... If you happen to obtain evidence illegally that is like sex trafficking, especially of children, you know, if it's if it's murder, if it's if it's these things that is just like seriously, you, we came across this and you to ignore it is ridicu- ridiculous. You know, it's not like someone forged a check or someone. You know, I think that if it's a a felony, I think that it doesn't matter how you obtain the evidence as long as you did not coerce it out of someone in a way that makes the evidence not real, you know? Like, if it's real evidence... Yeah. I wish we had CC on the podcast. (laughs) I'm sure that she'd argue it. I think, to me, the only reason why there are protections is because, like, people fake things. People... So you have to have the procedure in place um, and you have to protect people's privacy because there's a lot of like stupid things that people can be dinged before that are like, sure, it's a, it's a law, but it's like, you know, it, you're, you are infringing on somebody's privacy and their personal life. And it's not like, it's not like people are human, you know, it's like there, there are things that just, you cannot ignore and you there should not be like these people are really good at hiding this. So now we cannot find these children that have been brought over from wherever and are being used as prostitutes. You know, so I think that there are. I think that what happens is if if they find, uh, let's say, the government spies on you illegally without mm-hmm. a warrant, and uh, they find out that you're trafficking children, um, they will not be able to use that in a criminal case against you. Uh, the situation as a whole will probably not be ignored uh, and there will be like a civil case against you but i think they can't like 
yeah, they can't charge you criminally for it because they, they weren't supposed to be spying well, but on I, it. To me, it's like, I think that it should just be that, like, if it is a crime of a certain caliber, then that is, it doesn't matter how it was found. Um, I think maybe maybe the point of this is that really not big things are used against politicians to weaponize like who we have in office and who we have, you know, whatever. And I think that's where maybe some of these laws come from that um, people go out and find like the lowest denominator reason why somebody should not have power. And because why else, why else would somebody do this? You know, you think about the motives behind it. Um, So if, the whole point. Yeah, I think it's part of the whole innocent till proven guilty. Sure. It's like the whole system is designed with the idea that the government is constantly waiting to encroach on your life. Sure. And uh, we want to make sure, like, the government can't just go around and find evidence against people and incriminate them. Like, if they came out into any of our houses, they could probably charge us with 10 different. Yeah, and not always recycle this right? well. And, well, okay, so I, 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 I feel like uh, not too self-incriminating. I'm, I'm. This has been a great discussion. I worry that like this entire podcast has been, hey, these two characters had a conversation, and then we go into a thirty-minute debate that kind of skew, like very smart and very fun. Um, but we didn't really talk about the episode that much and that's my bad um, no i feel like we did though because these are the whole point of like the whole reason why we like the show and we've decided to cover all the seasons of it like we could have you know given it's up because season, of these especially because it, it didn't you know it got canceled after season three which leaves so much storytelling left to be known it kills me but, you're so um, upset about it but yeah but it's it's a really good show and they bring up all of these questions that like as a society like we don't get to comfortably ask and which is what's such a beautiful thing about science fiction and why we're so drawn to it. Um, and so while we're talking about like these, like it seems inconsequential and not related to the show, but it totally is related to the show <laughs> because it's like, it's all of these processes and it's like Laura is a, is a, what do they call them in the UK? A solicitor for a reason, yeah. you know, because it's, she's going into it from the legislative standpoint and the rights standpoint. And it's very interesting. And she's such a hero. And I feel like, we should celebrate that. And the institution is against her, as we are going to find out later on. Yeah. Um, is there, okay, before I get us into well actuallys, uh-huh. is there one, one, I'm giving you guys one more, <sighs> like, conversation or idea to discuss for just a few minutes? Um, is there, like, one, like, scene or or something that, that you guys, like, just are dying to bring up before before we wrap this up? Is it about Gemma Chan being a goddess? Is it about uh, Max's, you know, something, something? Um, you know, is it about the bombing? Is it, you know, is there is there one thing that you guys are like, well, fuck, Joe didn't let us talk about this because she's the worst. I'll let you can go first because I'm such a plotter now. Oh, no, you guys get one between you. Oh, between us? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I was going to talk about Gemma Chan Well, I'm, hot, I'm so reading through the bullet. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean... I'm reading through a bullet list. Give me a second. Um, yeah, so I I could talk about something. Um, it sort of covers a lot of my bullet okay. point, points. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I was thinking one of the things I really love about this episode and this these two episodes and this season as a whole is just sort of the thought experiment aspect of imagining a situation where there's conflict based on group identity and um, all the consequences of that. And like when you think of something like a bombing, right? So uh, look at how complicated this thing is. A synth bombed a place and killed both synths and humans um, as a sign of protest against humans oppressing synths. Now, look at all the different components of this, right? So the synths who did this, um, they feel like they've exhausted all the peaceful avenues and they just need to be um, they need to coerce people into respecting them, mm-hmm. right? And when someone does that, um, there are all these different reactions that you get in all the different factions, right? So on the human side, some people, that will radicalize some people, meaning some people will be more even more gung-ho about killing all the saints now, mm-hmm. right? They're like, this is it. This is the last straw. They're now bombing us you know, we should just uh, turn them all off. Um, and then there are some people who see that and they will de-radicalize because they think, whoa, this has really gone way too far. Maybe we should talk, um, you know. Um, and then on the sense side, you have a similar thing happening. Some people are like, whoa, we don't endorse that. Like, let's show extra kindness, um, even though they're kind of mean to us. Uh, but we're going to be extra nice and be like, yeah, I don't I don't agree with those people who are just like willy nilly hurting random innocent people. Um, you know, we're nice, like most of us are nice. And then you have other people who are like, um, but after this incident, it's gotten even worse. They're now crushing us even worse than before. There's now a curfew and all that shit. Uh, and that, those guys kind of have a point. Uh, the people who blew up that place. Uh, you know, so you get this sort of polarization within each mm-hmm. camp happening as a result of each of these. And I always wonder, like, what is the full dynamics of the situation? Like, does it come, it can come like to a breaking point where you have like total violence, uh, large scale violence. It can, could it also come to a point where like enough people de-radicalize who, on both camps who will then we will get peace as a result of some of these events right i just wonder how this all can play out and i was wondering what you guys think. i mean i think we see- first it was super interesting like i had forgotten i had forgotten that it was the synths who bombed it like i i had completely forgotten about it like when i first started watching the episode and i was like man people humans are the fucking worst like way to be a bag of dicks way to be like a bag of intolerant dickheads like just because these people want to hang out together you can't fathom that and so you feel the need to stop it right that's what you think it is and so you know that was a great misdirect because like it goes to like past humanity as we've talked about on this podcast and being like hey historically people have been pretty shitty it's not exactly a leap that people would continue to be shitty in this near future but the fact that it was the sense then gets into the whole idea of like a different type of terrorism of like, you know, we were nice and you guys wouldn't accept us. So now we're going to, we're, and we've talked about this on the pod as well, where it's like, 
we feel like we have no other recourse but to like lash out like it's this boiling you know idea that like we can't contain it anymore Mm -hmm. and so uh, i think it's very easy to say oh well violence is never the answer but to a disenfranchised group who only sees more and more and more restrictions and discriminations, it also then becomes very understandable. Like, it's just kind of like, well, what do you want us to do? Like, what avenues have you less left us to vent our frustrations? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, fucking suck. Like, the bombing, I don't personally agree with it, of course. Like, of course that's... Not. Because people, you know, people were just having a good time. Like it was, it was set up. It it looked exactly like an old timey underground gay bar. Like again, <laughs> the show is playing a lot with like old homophobia and and, and racism. Like it's it's very mm-hmm. like it's it's the new wave of that. And so you know to then terrorize a group of people who are just trying to actually get along. But it, it does to Max's idea when he was talking with um fuck what is her name not Astrid um which I I mentioned her earlier of him being like, so what's your end game? More and more violence. And then eventually they will crush all of us. Like there's a certain point where like they can take away the electricity. Like people can, humans can live without electricity for quite a while. Like Mm -hmm. I, in Texas's last week blizzard, um, thankfully we did not lose power, but my mom did for, you know, a week. And but you lost like, that was it. You had to boil water and shit. Yeah, we had to boil water and stuff uh, and rig up a ridiculous bag so the cat could quote unquote drink out of the sink because he's a prissy fuck. But we had to figure <laughs> out a way a way to like get him to like have a dripping sink without oh, it actually being a sink. Anyway, it's a whole thing. He's a dick. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I think Max's argument was great as much as I kind of harp on Max being too much of an idealist. Mm-hmm. I do think that he was right in saying like, listen, so you go for this violence and all of that there's not enough of us to win like all we can do is keep them scared but the humans human beings themselves like especially the ones who want to oppress us really don't think of us as people yeah so they would not have any hesitation in just like destroying us like killing every single one of us because they don't view it as killing us but also yeah and also it's like the whole the impossible line that minorities always have to walk in that any one of them doing something means it is a the entire group, group is judged. Yeah. And yeah. so it's this really unfair, unfair request that we ask of these minorities. And and he he's so cognizant of that. Like he gets that like they have to be better than everybody else in order to have any kind of hope to have um grounds to stand on for their argument. And it's just like, it, it feels like you feel their desperation because it just, it feels impossible. It feels impossible. And they're, and, and because they are individuals and they, they're not in contact with all of them. And, and we, we really view this through the lens of the synths in the UK, but the story is supposedly told through synths across the world. And so how on earth are they supposed to manage this viewpoint of all synths when it's just like, they're only with some of them? It's really hard. So I think, yeah, I mean, this raises a really great question about generalizing and what mm. gives us license to generalize. Um, I, I want to point out, though, that the relevant categories are oppressed and oppressor, not majority and minority, because sure. there have been cases and there are cases yeah. where a minority has oppressed the majority. 
And but Max <laughs> makes the point that they are also the majority. Like I guess we're talking about that's, right. any that's group, part of his argument. Yeah, any group that's like the one that's viewed as a collective and only as a collective. So, but is there is that exclusive to one group? No. Or are both groups seeing each other that way, right? Uh I mean, I was walking the other day and uh uh my partner and I were walking and we saw on a bench uh the letters A C A B, A cab. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? Yep. Um uh all cops are bastards though. I point of point of order, I was walking around Brooklyn years ago and there was a girl who had uh A C A B like a patch like on her jacket, except uh down below it says all cats are beautiful and it had a picture of a kitten, and so mm-hmm. I was like, Well, that is also a fact. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, so I was thinking that like that's an example of generalization, right? Where like um, both sides are viewing each other as a collective. Mm-hmm. And when I was seeing that those protests in the, um, when Laura was getting off the car and the sign says, like, murdered by a synth, right? They show, like, a picture of someone who was murdered by a synth. And that sort of reminded me of, like, when there are sometimes, like, these, uh, things with, like, it says, like, murdered by an illegal immigrant. Uh, and I, and I think, like, was that a feature that you thought, should be highlighted um right the fact like it was murdered they were murdered by someone mm-hmm. um and that someone has a lot of characteristics um one of them is that they were an illegal immigrant or one of them is that they were a cop or one of them was that they were a synth and um but some sometimes right it seems people think well this is an indication that they're all a danger mm-hmm. um and I wonder, like, what licenses that sort of move? Well, I, I mean, think I think it's different, though. Or, Joe, go ahead. Well, so just real quick, and you probably are making a very similar point. I feel like you have to pull the police out of that argument because there is a very different power structure, both between the police and you and the institutions protecting and afforded, like, options afforded to the police versus a regular citizen. But I do I do think that you are, like, murdered by an illegal alien does absolutely fit this in terms of just being like, and here's another reason, you know, to hate these people because one of these people did this thing. And, you know, like, the, the, the illegal immigrant doesn't have more... St- institutional power than any other citizen necessarily yeah, versus, like i, I think I'm it's sorry, so to, like, the fact that they have more institutional power how does that make all so of them policemen pastors? policemen there's there's a lot of things that you have to take into account um the the role qualified immunity um they are you know law enforcement they have a lot of power as law as law enforcement the other thing is they you have to look at them as the um not just the people who are, are cops now, but the people who are cops yesterday and the, the, the years before that, they're the ones who pick the cops that are cops today. And so the police force has gone through, um, you know, they, they carry a lot of the the things from yesterday. And um, there's, there, I mean, there's- They're so, also just afforded different legal protections yes, than you they're, or I. They're un- so, they, sorry, they, so my question was like, when you see a cop, do something like murder someone mm-hmm. um um how do we go from there to a cab and i so mean i'm saying- not i'm not talking about a cab in in its in and of itself but if you go and say all right well you know 
that cop killed someone. And if we look at their record, okay, so they've had like 27 different, you know, excessive force complaints. And the entire department knew about it. And there were there was an internal investigation, but they decided, eh, we swept, swept it under the rug. And then by the time it goes to trial and the cop is found, you know, innocent or whatever, and then cops have qualified immunity mm-hmm. institutionally so that they cannot be taken to civil court for these yeah. crimes. And they like, have a fraternity of hel- of protecting each other. So they are not held accountable the way that normal citizens are held accountable when they commit a crime. Um, and, and there's this whole thing where, well, they're on the front line. And so it's dangerous for them. So they're allowed to do all these things that they do um, when it's, you know, the people who live in these neighborhoods are living on the same front line, quote unquote. Um, and they live but every day. they're not day. allowed to like. They're not, they're not allowed someone. to do these things. Yeah. And, and the other thing is like we have um, we really need to examine the people that we hire into these law enforcement because it attracts it. You know, 40 percent of law enforcement agents are domestic abusers. That is like a real statistic. So what kind of people are we inviting into these or who are attracted to these positions? You know, you don't have to have any kind of special. But what about the nice ones? What about the 60 percent? So I'll ask Sophie's question. I love Sophie's question. Right. So you always have to ask this question. What about the nice ones? And that you mentioned if if it's 40 percent, which, by the way, has to be compared against the baseline of the general population. Which what? 60% 60% of general people are abusers and 40% are cops. That's good. It's also higher. Cops. cops cops are far higher than 40%, are. I want to say. like. But anyway, so yeah. Well, no, no, no. So I think that, if so for myself, for example, like, again, this is just one, one anecdotal thing. I am not at large afraid of policemen. I, right, I you're a white lady, a yeah. white presenting lady. Yes, exactly. So I... I I completely agree that there are good policemen, but none of the things that people bring up or are fighting for are meant to punish good policemen. They're asking for accountability. They're asking for when we hire policemen that we are making sure that we're hiring people who are going to serve all of the community, not just the community that they feel comfortable and who looks like them. And so the idea is not is not to punish the police force, but to ensure that the police force is doing its job. You know, I think right. accountability so I mean, is you the can thing. you can assign intentions to movements, uh, but you know, I mean, that's sort of like the language. We're talking about the language, right? Like, um, you, you have to apply these things consistently, right? So, um, I, we, we, our focus is is like general. My focus was generalization, right? So, my, you always you hate generalization. Like, you get so upset by generalization well, every time. <laughs> uh, well, so I'm not sure if uh, like how much of what you guys were saying um, was meant to be like reason that would justify the generalization, right? So the question is like, for any given group X, right? And and it's great in these cases to try to like, forget how, what you're sympathetic to and what you're not. And that's really what sci-fi is great for because it sort of takes you out of that context. But, you know, um, so like, well, for any given group X, if we see one person from that group do something, um, what are the conditions on, under which that, allows us to then be afraid of or protesting against or whatever corruption um, other members of other members of that same group it's accountability and and institutional like 
ignoring of a problem. Like to your, to what we were talking about earlier, it's like, okay, let's say, you know, one illegal immigrant kills someone. Okay. The expectation then is that whoever, you know, it is not fair to just to, to generalize and judge all illegal immigrants as being murderers. But we know that like, theoretically, we expect that that one person who did kill someone will be held accountable, right? Mm -hmm. However, the expectation that police who do what should, what, if anyone else had done the exact same thing would have been murder or assault or something like that, but they are not held accountable in the system, either by their own peers in the police group. Because again, the, the the, the illegal immigrants job is not to not kill people. Like, they're not out there, like, doing whatever job they're doing. Like, their job is not to protect, to serve and protect. Like, they're out doing, you know, whatever it is the fuck that their job is. But the idea that someone who, this is their job, is to ensure the public safety. And then is never held accountable. Not never. I'm using that, I'm speaking hyperbolically. But very rarely the expectation that that person or those group of people would ever be held accountable by their coworkers or the uh upper echelons of their institution. That's where that idea comes from. Like, yes, to your your point of all cops are bastards. No, like it's, it's, it's hyperbolic. But to the communities who say that, those are the communities who only see and only ever experience excessive police force and lack of accountability. Again, this is the their, to pe- by people who it is their job to like do better, to be better. Like, and so that's 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 where the generalization and frustration comes from. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. I love that you mentioned this notion of like bringing attention to an existing problem. Because I think that's exactly how someone who would distribute those posters about illegal aliens would say is that there is a huge problem and no one's doing anything about it. And, you know, I've heard this from people who live at the border and I have friends who live at the border. Some of them are, you know, Hispanic. Um, There's like a um, huge community of Hispanic people at uh in south texas where they live i am shocked by this information shane (laughs) shocked that as a mexican i'm shocked (laughs) living Um, on the border of mexico yeah yeah and so they and and, you know so they they might say like yeah there's like a huge problem I, i hear them say that like there's a problem and uh and i mean when you hear the numbers like you can see why people think it's a problem. Like there are like tens of thousands of people crossing the border. We don't know who they are every night and whatever. Right. And so people say, look, and this one came and killed someone. And right. So like there are a lot of them come working farms and whatever. Some of them do actually come to do crime. And, you know, so someone says, look here, here's one example. And you're like, well, why did you highlight the fact that they're cross the border illegally of all the things you could have highlighted. Um, and they say, well, because this one is just particularly not paid attention to, like people just let it go. Right. Um, so I wonder if, I mean, I, that justification is used and I wonder if, uh, that's just a slippery slope. Like if, 
Um, the ju- well, or maybe uh, there's a better way to do that. Well, it's the, the justification is to other them, right? It's to strip away the humanity. It's to say, oh, this this person shouldn't have even shouldn't have even been there, or it, it, it's to take away their humanity and make sure that yeah. You're well, I mean, I think as, it's the same thing with the cops, well, right? To not sympathize with the cops. But no, but people, it's not that people don't sympathize with the cops. For the most part, people sympathize with the cops for decades and decades and decades. The problem was that the cops are perpetrating um, crimes that were never held to account because of who the crimes were against. And it was seen like, well, you know, these are rough communities. So if, you know, mistakes were made. So they deserve it. Yeah, exactly. And so in the same thing with, you know, um, people crossing illegally. It, and I, I made this note in our um, for today is that people will use the economy, the economy, the, I said comedy, the economy <laughs> to weaponize um, issues against minorities and so you see people who cross illegally you know they're they have no power they they really they have no power it's not that they can go and get a job anywhere they can't just go get housing anywhere you have to if you really see um, people um, coming to the country illegally as an issue then you have to tackle it as the people who um who take advantage of that issue you know businesses love hiring people that they p- can pay in can human abuse. wages to you know um slumlords yeah, love mean, hiring again, people it's... that they can make money from who they they don't they, they don't have to like um if there's termites if there's cockroaches they don't have to deal with that because who are they going to complain to see you see that these these people people who are just trying to provide for their families and this happens over and over and over and over again. And, and the issue becomes they are stealing our jobs. They are murderers. They are rapists. They are et cetera, et cetera. Anything that will make a headline. But when you actually look at the communities that are living here illegally and who are just trying to provide for their families, you know, they are horrifically dehumanized and uh, made to be the bad guys in a situation that is all about greed. And so it's really hard to I mean, like it's listen. It's really interesting to me to the like again this is all a matter of emphasis right so like when it comes to uh illegal immigrants you choose to emphasize a certain subset and when it comes to cops you emphasize another subset and and that's sort of the generalization game is like i you can hear the same thing if you talk to like a pro cop radio they'll just talk all about how the vast majority of cops are just wonderful people and how nice they are and they love their families and their communities and how the cop helped the dog out of the gutter and, and all of that stuff that they can, if they keep bombarding you with that, then you start thinking, oh, that's most of what cops are. And so um, people who are mad at cops, they're just looking at a very small group. But no one really is looking at any statistics. This is just all a matter of sympathy. Like we look at the good subsets of people that we're sympathetic to um and we use that to not allow ourselves to generalize and then we look at the bad parts of people that we're not sympathetic to and we say well it's okay to generalize because they're bad or something i mean when you look at um the amount of fields that go unharvested when people crack down on illegal immigration um you know jobs that people say um are being stolen by illegal immigrants yet that they go legal immigrants or legal 
people don't want citizens but don't, want, don't want that job. My point. And my point is you're focusing on like the farm workers. No, no, no. no. I, I'm focusing, focusing on on gangsters and human traffickers and is, coyotes. And but this is statistics. This is still if we're, we're talking like about emotion versus whatever. The, you know, the statistics of it are the amount of fields that go unharvested because these are jobs that nobody wants, but illegal immigrants will take. You know, you, you look at the people who are using fake social security numbers and paying taxes that 86% of those illegal immigrants are paying taxes that they're never going to reap benefits on. So, you know, this, this whole, this whole picture created of these people who, um, who just weigh on society and the economy is completely untrue. It, they actually help and get nothing back out of it, except for like pennies that they go take back to their families and, and they're happy to do it. And so, so, yeah, there, there's like, I mean, I think that what we're talking about is people in power versus people who are used as scapegoats. And, um, but some of the people who cross the border, that's my point. Some of the people who cross the border are very powerful people and they have, and you know, the, you know, like they who? run very but powerful what organizations. Is the, what is the, per- what is the percentage of these powerful people that cross the border illegally? I don't know. But my point is that how does like does it matter like we we just like someone can take one of those examples and say look this gangbanger this 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 gangster or whatever crossed the border and murdered my daughter and here's a picture and everything and why is no one trying to stop them from crossing the border and then you can ask okay how many of these are there and they'll show you thousands of examples right and then you can say well yeah but that's not the majority of the people who are doing who are crossing right and it may not be but is that is that the reason because like in the cop case it doesn't seem to matter whether what percentage of cops it is does it it does the difference is the power dynamic shaheen like it has to do with the institutions protecting those who have power like yeah uh, there might be some there might be some rich gangster who does happen to have a lot of power, but that rich gangster likely does not have institutional power within the United States. And maybe they do, in which case, fuck that guy. But like, they're... And fuck the U.S. for letting him have that. But is exactly. the institutional power is what is what licenses us to generalize? No, it licenses us to want change because it's not about... The little guy's not creating the problem, you know? it's the, Yeah, the I don't give a shit about the individual shitty cop. Yeah. Like, yes, I want them to be held accountable, but the problem is the environment and culture that allows that to perpetuate. Like, I wouldn't say that the that there is within the illegal immigrant community, not that it is my community, but that there is a culture of, you know, murder or getting away with shit. If anything, the idea is to try to not get caught. Um, but if for, there were, would that matter? I would still not want to generalize about them. It's even I, it doesn't I, matter what percentage I think, I think to we're, me, we're it's not important whether it's a majority or minority or what. Like, there are some you just don't like generalizations. You don't like the term and all cops are bastards. People. And so Do you just love cops? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what it, like my question is about generalization. I don't No, no, um, no, but it's not it's not about the because a lot of these cases are brought from real things that happen and then you see the outcomes of, of them and you're like, "Wait, so nobody got punished?" 
No one was fired after that happened. And you see it happen over and over again. And sure, we can look into the statistics of it. But what we're seeing over and over again is that police will protect their own. And it, it's a culture that is talked about readily in several um, areas that like police have like they have their um, their unions and they you know you don't snitch on another police officer um, so they protect their protect their own on top of that it's it's a profession that attracts a certain kind of person you know and so we you talk can actually not be accepted for being too smart yeah exactly and so <laughs> and so this is like all people are asking about asking for is accountability in the hiring of police forces accountability in um when things go wrong they should be addressed correctly you know if someone can't prefer their job like and this happens in every business when someone does not perform their job well they're fired but in the police it seems like people are more interested in protecting especially especially when it comes up to like an issue that quote-unquote liberal media is against that they 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 especially protect those issues and it's weird because it's like we're trying to make police someone who we can respect and not worry about and and feel the things that you know you should feel for police they're there to protect you protect and serve um but that's not what some of them are doing in specific communities and 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 they protect their own they do not um address issues um and the the fact that the role that they play is is you know it's they police their communities how can we have corruption on that level we can't that's why like you know it's not it, it doesn't matter who's crossing the border so much as like our police force needs to be accountable on that note let's get into our well actually and petty bullshit Jesus Christ. I feel like it's been a while since we've gotten into a, uh, I don't know what discussion this would be. Um, modern malaise, I guess. Is that, is that okay if I move us modern like, cause I feel like, yeah. I, I yeah. feel like we're, we're getting into, into some weeds. Uh, and so oh, perhaps, yeah, perhaps sure. we could get into a little bit of levity. Um, Shaheen, what is, what is some petty bullshit or a well actually that you could, you could give us? Yeah, I actually had several. Yes, so, please. Um, <laughs> first, I mentioned one of them before. So Joe the Grocer makes a quarter of what he made logging boxes around, and he owns his own fucking store now. Um, yeah, the produce is expensive. Second. There's a lot of, like, waste. Apparently the cherries are very expensive. So, yeah, I don't... Joe the don't Grocer, know. can he back it? Um, Joe the Grocer, yes, he can. What what fucking song is this? It's a play on Bob the Builder. Never mind. I've never actually seen Bob the Builder, but he can fix it. Okay. <laughs> also, generally, when you start a business, you expect to return losses for a few years, so it, you shouldn't be expecting to make any money right now. Mm. This whole show is not written. I like that you're well actually Joe's mm. uh, business plan. Not even that <laughs> that he's making less, but you're actually like. Well, you should have expected this, sir. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the other thing is the whole Leo is now fully human thing is totally ad hoc. Mm. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, we took out the electronic parts and the human parts grew back. <laughs> and there you go. Are they talking Ta-da. about his penis? <laughs> Was his penis robotic? I will ne- we'll never know. I mean, he had wires coming out of his fucking side mm-hmm. 
what did happen? What happened to those vibe? Where the where the those wires go? Are this are there like two holes in his body now? There's like no. He can't be like totally human. I don't know. And then later they say that like their child is part he part human, even though they say he was fully human. Anyway, the whole thing is kind of red con. <laughs> um, and then okay. Here are some petty things. Uh, why do kiss? Why do scents kiss like humans do? Like kissing on the lips has always struck me as kind of a Gross. weird thing. Right? Yeah, I mean, but animals do it. With. Like animals, animals will... just like lick. Animals usually lick each other's asses. Yeah. So I think maybe like maybe maybe scents <laughs> would like like touch each other's electric. Synapses, you and me, to each other, like I a bet, little, you know, like I bet like it's side, mimicry. A like, little like side, hip, like a hip bump. Well, I mean, it's your, less with gross. Your charging port. <laughs> it's less gross when sits since kiss each other, like Max and his like side piece, because like it's not like it's their food hole. Versus like for humans, it is the food hole, yeah, and it's weird. It is totally and it's full weird. of bacteria and it's gross. And this is why I would feel really self-conscious like having sex with a synth because I'm like, you know, I just brushed my teeth, but like clearly like flat Stanley could smell the toast about to burn 30 seconds before it happens. So like they can probably smell my breath becoming bad three hours before yeah. it happens. But you know, Joe, it's like a dog, like a dog loves smelling shit because it's ad- identifying something. But it- you want to know something kind of gross? Yes. Absolutely. So one of our cats, Pringles, we call him a gross little gremlin. And like my girlfriend and I, like we both work out a lot. And so, you know, you get into the bathroom, you take off your gym clothes. And if you're a good person, you hang them up to dry. But if you're a bad, lazy sack of shit like me and her, you leave it on the ground. And so you'll be in the shower and then Greebles will just come in and just like snuffle around in the wet gym clothes. And you're like, you are disgusting. Like you, what is wrong with you? Like yeah, he's a gross little guy. Yeah, but Bonsai and our cat will do that too. Like if I if I like go take a shower and I just like throw everything on the ground, it's like they love the underwear and I'm like, yeah, that's the closest part to me, but like ew. Like what is wrong with you? But it's like it's the part that smells most like the you, I guess. Like stuff doesn't smell bad to them. It doesn't it just smell bad. smells. It just it just has a smell. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think yeah. Gross. Um, yeah, it makes me, Shaheen, makes you it? wonder, right? Like, is does smelling bad just a c- cultural thing or socially constructed thing? Like, yeah, they just smell the things. They don't think it smells bad. Anyway, yes and no. I mean, you don't walk gross. around with his nose Gross. So what else? Um, would a synth look down when embarrassed? There's that scene where that guy is like, um. I'm sorry, tact still eludes me or whatever. Yeah. And he looks down. Um, is there something universal about that? Or is that just like a weird human thing or a cultural thing? I mean, um, I wonder like, how we, much of this We're afraid is... of eye contact. Like, I wonder if we, it's like mimicry. Like they, mm-hmm. A, were programmed to be sort of human-like. And so, uh-huh. you know, they still have that holdover. Because, of course, we're going to program things to like be similar to us so that we can recognize it so that we as humans can recognize that you know facial expression right. yeah that makes sense yeah because i was wondering like you know for us uh, you know the story i've heard is that it takes a lot of brain power to process someone's 
eye expressions yeah. and facial expressions. So looking at some into someone's eyes, it takes a lot of CPU, takes a lot of brain power, and that's why people who, when when you're embarrassed or you're lying, you you're less likely to look into someone's eyes. Mm, I've heard uh, that. Because you're thinking about a lot of stuff in your head. And so, yeah. And um, so, yeah, I was like, the sin has, doesn't have that problem. They can process way more than that. Mm-hmm. So, that's yeah, it's just like a mm. human. Anyway, so um, what else? Um, love how everyone is a doctor. Like... Niska just comes in and is like, oh, yeah, this is what he needs. Bam. I mean, Here's an I'm sure that they, the like, heart. if you, I, I, I feel like I forgive the synths for having that knowledge just because, like, it's easy enough to just, like, upload that data. Yeah. Like, so uh-huh. it would make sense that as, you know, They're robots Googling that it. serve humans. Yeah. Well, like, at least do a little Trinity thing with the eyes, like, show me you're downloading it. Or, like, give it a little pause. Like, Stanley, when he's like, I love Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> Any when he calculates the risk of the person lying that's awesome it's like he does a little pause does the calculation 85% that's awesome um, yeah Stanley is handy to have around uh, I'm done I'm out of stuff alright Bubs do you have any um well actually um, I mean I think I was really interested to know how um what's her name um shit i wrote it down um karen huh karen karen yes karen felt how her maternal things kicked in and how her relationship with um the little boy synth is going to be like um, I thought that that was really interesting and in that, like, when I talk about wanting to have more concrete world building about how the synths actually feel about certain things, like, I'm excited to go down that avenue again because it tells us more than I think a lot of other things do. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, there are inconsistencies with how they tell the story. Um, and I kind of just try to ignore it to try to focus on the parts that are story relevant. But, um... Yeah, I like Karen, and I like that this synth that was created to be a mother is finally getting to pursue her directive in a human way, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I would say two things. Number one, I love that the like the that the Brits call them dollies. <laughs> like you, they have to make something cute, like a lollipop is a lolly, and so you also have dollies. Like, I, I, I just love that, like, they insist on, like, having it just be kind of a cutesy little word. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they also, also invented the word panties, so I don't know what to do with that. Why would you do that? <laughs> um, and so there, the other thing was, so Sophie got uninvited to this birthday party because, like, her her little schoolmate's mom is a fucking bitch and whatever and sophie's all sad and she's like and there was gonna be a slip and slide and then the whole family packs in the car with stanley driving they go out and they get like burgers or something at some outdoor restaurant blah 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 and sophie's wearing like a coat and like everyone is like wearing jackets and stuff and i'm just like what fucking like who in england is doing a slip and slide Mm -hmm. like when is there ever like clearly it is not slip and slide weather and like when is it ever gonna be warm enough to want to do a slip anyway that was a point summer 
right? Like it's not it's not the South. Like it like you're lucky if it like breaks like the high 70s there at any point. Like at that point it's a heat wave and people are dying. So yeah, I don't know who wants to do a slip and slide uh, in that weather. Um, unless we have anything else, uh, we have had many, 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 many weeks to catch up on media of various sorts. (laughs) So many. So many. Like, I had to pare down my list, um, and I already have four things on here, and that's way too much. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys have to recommend to people? Well. Uh, Shaheen? Oh, whoops, sorry, Bubs. Oh, no, no, go go with Shaheen, and then I just wanted to join you on praising the wilds. Okay, good. Go ahead, Shaheen. Um, well, um, way to put me to shame because I have not no show to recommend. Yeah, but you've you've been but, married. You've hopefully been doing it. So, or at yeah, least say what that is you your have favorite been. position as a married person? Oh my god, is that not important? I feel like that's that's great information that only does somebody. it change when you're married. Uh, yeah, I mean, the doesn't like the you if your partner doesn't like the your favorite position, then you have to have a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm not answering that. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to say is, uh, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, SimCity. Uh, I'm going to recommend SimCity. So SimCity is a, um, city building simulation game, um, where you can build your own cities. Um, and it's really cool. It's basically what got me through the pandemic and everything. Um, so far and what I really love about it is uh, the sort of experience you get from above like from a leader standpoint or from like a governor standpoint um, and we talk about that a lot in this show and you know the hundred had a lot of themes of like we, the burden of leadership and, and we explicitly whatever. talked about you being a cult leader so I see this very much in line with fulfilling that <laughs> yes um yeah and so it's really cool when you like you're interacting with a city not at the level of the individual people but at the level of, as a mayor as someone who's governing the the structure of the entire thing and you you notice immediately how your priorities and and your criteria are completely different like individual sims that are just like walking around doing their thing they don't matter mm-hmm. uh what matters is the numbers right like there's a population pa- panel where like i look at my population how many people there are how many shops there are mm-hmm. uh and how many shoppers there are and how many jobs there are how many workers there are uh etc cetera, etc cetera. and um if it's all balanced then it's great if it's not balanced, then I'm going to bulldoze some, like, if I need more poor people, I'm going to bulldoze some rich person's house. And if I need some more rich people, I'm going to bulldoze some poor person's house. Uh, and though, I don't know what happens to them. Sometimes I get more homeless people <laughs> when I do that. <laughs> so if I do a lot of that, I get homeless. So there are consequences to doing that. But other than that, as long as, like, I'm not doing that excessively so they find new homes. Or they leave, go to another city. Do you just do? It's not really my, my concern. Yeah, go ahead. Do you just do a lot of roundabouts to subvert traffic? Because for me, traffic was always the biggest issue in SimCity. Yes, traffic is a huge thing to master in in SimCity, and it's partly because the the game is a little is flawed. Like, is the cars are not smart. The all the vehicles aren't smart at all. 
they're um they're pretty dumb. They're kind mm-hmm. of like all the uh like the little Sims in SimCity, mm-hmm. they're just as dumb as the the Sims in like the Sims series. Mm-hmm. Like if you leave them to their own devices, they'll just die. So the cars, like they're just follow the stupidest patterns. Like if you look at your like garbage cars or your police cars or whatever, they just like go around like idiots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, traffic is a big problem, but there there are ways to deal with it. Um, so your I recommendation like, then is SimCity. Sim City. Yeah. I love it. No, it's a great game. It really is. Um, it is. I remember, and it's when so it fucking out. complicated. Go ahead. Oh no no yeah it is complicated everything I would say like like it's so well designed if you did you ever play Civilization any of the I think I played Civilization um five. not extensively no I but I've like uh-huh. seen it and played with it a little Civilization five I think was the last one I played and I really felt that that gave me the same feel of SimCity in the sense that you're building towards something and it's like a long term thing mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. it was in a different way that i still found fun and i think it maybe just there was less pressure to get it right the first mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. which with SimCity, it's like oh i should have put more poor people houses by the like, <laughs> by the the what is it the um the electronic plant i should have done like all these things that you're just like oh. <laughs> yeah. but now it's been six hours and i've committed <laughs> so i always felt yeah. that like civilization kind of gave more leeway but it had the same exact brain feel so if you want something similar cool. i would i completely recommend civilization 5 because i've been meaning to like re-download it yeah because SimCity can get intense like um oh so intense i sometimes i can't play it late at night because i'm just like falling asleep i'm like dude this shit is too intense <laughs> like my city people are dying and yeah the buildings are burning and i'm like i'm i'm too sleepy for this shit <laughs> Um, um so yeah thank you for your it's recommendation shaheen uh maybe we will get some more people playing uh sim city mm-hmm. i i played it way back in the day probably 20 years ago so we had sim city sim farm uh there was a hotel one anyway enough yeah. of that uh, this is but, the 2013 slash 2014 that was the one where when it first came out it was like uh you had to be connected to the internet it was one of the first games that you had to be connected to the internet and it was so right. annoying it was like right I yeah yeah they fixed that there's a there's an offline yeah. version um bubs what about you what are you what are you recommending so I know that like it's been months and months um and the last thing I recommended was like Korean dramas and I'm mm-hmm. still we've been there. watching a lot of yeah no we're still watching a ton of Korean oh my dramas. god it's just like so I will I will back the wilds um which is you didn't talk about it yet but you will and it was great my little cousin loved it. And I'm like, I'm so thrilled for season two because I'm like, what now? <laughs> like, um, but um, apart from that, I would say like I've been Korean dramas all the time, and it's just the feeling I get from it is so fulfilling. It's it's kind of like I feel like I'm reading like one fan fiction after another fan fiction in, in the sense that like it gives me that like peace and happiness that like only a fan fiction used to give me, but now I get to get it through like an actual television show um, with characters and professionally made and everything. And so um, of the ones that I've watched that I really liked, um, I would say Healer was great. It was about like a, um, a kind of like a Robin, like a modern day Robin Hood in a sense that was hot. Okay. We um, haven't seen that one. 
It was it's great. Um, and then there was um, I recently watched Legend of the Blue Sea, which is a mermaid. Good God, mermaid drama. You're watching such different ones than we are. Oh my God, I'm watching like every single weird kind. Um, but the mermaid, the mermaid one was hilarious because it was just like so much like mermaid meets Earth drama. Like she. <laughs> Like, she tried to hide in, like, a closet, and she, like, was, like, in a sweatshirt that was hanging, and it was just, like, it was, like, one of those, like, you know, when an ostrich hides, it just, like, sticks its head in the ground? Yeah. Like, that's basically what she's doing, and it was, like, just so hilarious, and that was, like, her the whole time as, like, a mermaid on land. It was, like, I'm going to do this really ridiculous, you know, um, physical humor stuff, and I, like, laughed to the point, like, I almost beat myself. Um, And so, like, I wouldn't say all of them are award-winning television in the sense of um they're like about the artistry but it's about the experience and like each one that I watch is just like so entertaining and like I think that um we're so used to as as women like Joe like we're so used to television written by men and 96 percent of k-dramas are written by women so I think that we feel that. Like, I think it's why, like... There's definitely a difference. There's definitely a difference. And I will say that, like, I want there to be so much more gay Korean dramas because there's just... It's so straight. Um, it's very it's straight. It's very straight. But, like, if they were to create some Korean dramas that were, like, gay, they would be so amazing. And, like, because they don't shy away from, like, romance or anything like that. And so it's just like it's so entertaining and like satisfying, um, and and they like use tropes all the time. But the thing is, it's like y- you start to notice that within the culture, it's like um, it's not. There's no shame in like reusing certain story devices because it's all about the emotional journey. So if you're able to craft the perfect emotional journey, that is the high art for them. You know, it's not about like telling this story that's like twist yeah where you don't really like yeah sometimes there's like uncertainty and like but it's much more about the dictated like angst and everything um and so you everything is just it feels like you're just eating really great yummy vegetables that taste like donuts i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um i would highly recommend you check out uh uh class which is uh on on netflix and it's a much it was it was released in 2020 and so there is actually somewhat i mean okay handling of uh some 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 lgbt issues as well as some race issues that mm-hmm. you really don't get into with a lot of the other, like yeah. it's a much more modern seeming uh girlfriend didn't like it as much because it was not nearly it, it was a much more serious show mm-hmm. it wasn't the usual like ridiculousness of of the uh, of the other ones but like i actually really really liked it and we've actually started watching another k drama starring the main dude from that and then also the main uh girl from her private life so we're getting back Wait, into like the, the cute romance uh her private life oh no no but i thought i thought you said you're watching the- oh oh it's called uh what's wrong with secretary Kim? oh i just i finished that one already i loved it so okay much. so the main dude in that was is the star of uh it one class oh. Okay. Anyway, I don't know if it's like super up your alley because it's like it's very much like he's super narcissistic. But I mean, oh, I love it. I loved, I loved every minute of it. Um, no, it's great, <laughs> but he is so different in in the other show. But anyway, I, um, I also want to recommend to. Pe- Are you done with your Rex? Yeah, I have, a, I have a question about yeah. uh-huh. watching Korean dramas. Do they 
eat a lot of food unless I make you order a lot of Korean food. Oh I want Korean God. food all yeah. the fucking time. Because they eat. Like, their <laughs> mouths are full. And, like, the women are just shoving food in their... Like, people are genuinely, like, eating as opposed to, like, Western shows where they just play with their food on the plate just a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is just, like, cramming fucking yeah. kimchi and rice into your mouth. And, like, there's food in Itawan class because it's about a guy who starts a restaurant. They're like, oh, fuck. Soft tofu stew looks really good. Where can I get that? Um, so yes, but no, it's it's like it's such a cultural storytelling element because it's like food is such a way to show affection and love of all kinds of yeah. all kinds and like um so it's yeah like for example I was watching a behind the scenes thing of a, a sh- one of them that I really liked and and the director was like you're eating noodles look happier it's delicious <laughs> and the guy was like oh right 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 and like so it's just like. It's it's like such a mood booster when they eat food, but it also means so much when a character spends like, you know, five minutes on screen actually preparing food for another character and feeding them with their like chopsticks. Like it's just like it's this whole yeah. thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um any other Rex bubs? Um, I'm just gonna say random Korean dramas in general. Um Okay. <laughs> um all right, I would, if it's okay, uh, I would like to recommend a few things. Uh, number one, The Wilds, as Bub said. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a show that nails it with an ensemble cast. The premise is these girls uh, were all on a plane together and then they get like in a plane crash and they're all on an island together. And there's a bit of mystery of like, well, much like Lost in a way. Like it's billed as like Lost meets one of the flies, except with girls and stuff like that. And I think that that's way too simplistic. The way that... I have issues with the show as Bubs and I have discussed and certain sort of decisions that they made, but overall the casting of these girls is fucking fantastic. And and the way that they sort of linger and explore these girls sort of lives out before the Island and the traumas that they brought with them. Like it's, it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and by girls, I mean, they're like high schoolers, like, like they're juniors babies. and seniors in high school. They're, wonderful, they're wee babies, delicious. but the like- casting <laughs> phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal casting. Um, and you just want and to protect all of them. like You do. Even the annoying ones. Um, yeah, like, at the very beginning, I was like, fuck her, and fuck her, and fuck her. And by the end of it, I was like, they are my new favorites. Fuck you. Do not say a bad word about them. I watched them with um, my baby gay cousin, and she, like, she loved it so, so much. And I think, like, good. like the, yeah, it was just, it was so good. <laughs> it's a good show. You guys should watch it. Um, I think it's on Amazon streaming. I would also recommend, uh, so... I would like to recommend Ted Lasso, which is, we are like the fifth time through rewatching season one. It is such a balm. It's fucking funny. It's, it's adjacent to Parks and Rec, except it doesn't take like over a season to find its footing. Like it has its footing right off the bat. Um, and it's just, it, the premise is like an American football coach goes to England to actually coach, you know, football, football, where you, you know, soccer. Um, but it's sweet and charming and fun and heartwarming and sincere and it's like such a balm for like being in a fucking pandemic and so we just keep re-watching it and finding new things to laugh about and it's wonderful but related to that one of the actors in that is actually a comedian and a writer and so he released uh, a show called soulmates which very similar to humans like watching it you like totally feel the humans vibe even though it's not set in england necessarily um it's an it's an anthology series i think there's like six episodes and the premise of it is in the near future 15 or so years from now scientists discover what is known as like sort of the soulmate particle 
And so much like Gattaca or something like that, you can go and take a genetic test and then you can find out who your soulmate is, like in the world, maybe, you know, and, and the show explores what does that mean for couples who already exist, who thought that they were happy? What does that mean if your soulmate dies before you could meet them? What does that mean if your soulmate is a really fucked up person? What does that say about you? Um, the show at, like, what does it mean that you have a soulmate who's perfectly nice, but you're like, I like this other person better. Um, so each episode explores different things, but from humans, we have the actors, sorry, I did a bad job and didn't actually look up their real names, but <laughs> Joe and Hester are both in it, in addition to uh, Skarsgård and some other people that you'd recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dolls from Winona Earp is in it. Um and it's just, it's it's a very, very, I think you would like it, Shaheen. It's a very, very sort of thought-provoking show. It's not super high budget. It's, again, it's very similar to Humans, where you're like, I'm really kind of, let's pause and talk about this um, kind of a show. So I'd recommend that. And then very, very, very last thing, um, there's a podcast called You're Wrong About. And it is these two podcasters uh, about our age. So like, you know, we have, we all kind of have similar sort of life experiences and ideas or whatever, but the idea is that they take a topic from, you know, the seventies, eighties, nineties, like stuff that you were kind of aware of at the time, maybe, or have heard of, and they sort of in each episode, break it apart. Like one of them will basically do a book report to the other one and the other one asks questions, but you basically like find out like, you know, what you were wrong about with Anna Nicole Smith and what you were wrong about with Enron and like, you know, the OJ Simpson trial and just basically like all of these huge, 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 massive cultural events that like you vaguely remember hearing about or like think that you know about them and they sort of dissect it in an hour and like give you what actually happened. And so um, that's a super, super, super fun podcast to listen to. No, that sounds great. All right, sorry, I just like word vomited at you guys. I'm getting texts from the girlfriend to be like, "Are you fucking done yet?" <laughs> no, my pants um, have walked. I don't know if you guys have heard. My pants have walked in like twice or three times, being like, "Hey," and I'm like, "I'm still recording. Go away." <laughs> <laughs> um, I do not envy you for having to edit this together, Shaheen. I'm sure that there's a lot of rambling to cut, and maybe there's not. In which case, you still have to listen to the whole thing. So, thank you in advance for editing. Um, <laughs> no, I actually think it was like most of it is solid. I know, so I feel bad then for our listeners, right? <laughs> Be like, sorry, they signed um, up for this. Yeah, it's free. Whatever, I don't pity you. <laughs> um, you can find us again uh, at maybe you could get on Twitter. Come yell at us once you've listened and tell us what we're wrong about. See what I did there. And uh, next time we'll be back with episodes three and four of season three of Humans. Um, Thank you guys for finally not canceling us recording. We were really bad about that for like a month. We have been trying to schedule a time. Um, So good job us getting back into the swing of things. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. Yeah, it's been fun, guys. Maybe geek again. Geek again. Take it Mm. easy. Bye, guys. I love you so much. I miss you so much. (laughs) 